Right. She doesn't even need it. Right. She just has to do it. Right. Because we want you know, yeah. the paper. That's infuriating. How did you get your start? We could start now. Okay. Um. <laughs> How did I get my start? Tell the world who you are, what you do, well, and I'm, why you're here. I'm Claire Bolno. Um, I'm a paint painter <laughs> based in Chicago. Yeah. Um, I didn't start painting until 2019. That's it? Mm-hmm. How old are you? I'm 20, I'm turning 27 in June, so I'm 26 right now. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you're both the same age. Okay. Yeah. Wow. So yeah. you've only been painting... Since like 22, 23? Since 23. 23. Yeah, because I really started painting, painting in 2020. And like, was like, oh. Yeah, really good fast, huh? I just, I like, my. I don't like describing it as this because I'm a little bit, I don't know. You know, talking about my art is like uncomfortable for me. No, I I get it. um, My studio mate, mate, he always is like, you come in and like bleed it. And that's. I would agree with that. I don't want it to sound braggy, but that's just like I found like this thing that I adore and that I'm supposed to be doing and that I like fully am out of myself when I'm doing it, you know, and it's like it's just one of those things that and I've never really been familiar with that feeling, but like, oh, I'm doing exactly what I'm supposed to be doing in this moment when I'm painting every mm-hmm. time I'm painting, you mm-hmm. know, so um but it came it, – I got sober in 2019, and so that was kind of when it started, like, coming out a little bit. And I was just – I had been creative when I was younger. I liked to draw, and, like, I took some art classes in high school and stuff. But um, when I started using, like, it went away, and I'm in recovery. Um, and mm-hmm. so I was, like – you know, I remember, like – being in my addiction and sitting down with a sketch pad and like trying to draw something and just literally thinking in my brain like verbatim like I'm not creative anymore just like leave it alone um, you know yeah and then I got sober and it, it was so funny I like I don't know if I found a sketchbook but I started using some watercolors that I had and like ink pens like bought some ink pens and I just started doodling and one of my roommates was like you know, these are good. Like, you should post them on Instagram. I was like, I Is that I almost know. like the worst sentence, right? Yeah. <laughs> I know because I'm, I'm that person. Yeah. I don't know if you know this or not, but I've kind of seen a couple, two, three mm-hmm. creative things in my day. So, like, mm-hmm. I, I've built an eye for it. Yeah. If anybody has, it's myself. I could say that with confidence. And when I see it, I always want to be like, you should. And I'm like, ah, people hate hearing it. Mm-hmm. Because it, they're... I'm in one headspace. Or anybody who is of my world who works a lot with people and sees so many creative things and knows it mm-hmm. when they see it. They know art when they see it. But the person making it isn't always in that space. Mm-hmm. They're not – either they're not quite there yet. They don't want to be there. It's mm-hmm. not for them. Or maybe they're just in a transitional period where they want to get there but they're a little afraid. They're, they don't think the work's good enough yet. They want to build a body of work, portfolio, yeah. make more connections, have more stability in their craft – I get all of it, and sometimes I'm guilty of just being like, just man, I just it. see it, and I just, just want the world it. to see it. It's yeah. more, it's not really selfish. It's more like, I wish the world would see this amazing thing this person's doing. Yeah, well, That's and it. it's so weird to translate, like, posting it on Instagram to the world seeing it, you know, because, like, Instagram has all these associations, like, you know, likes or whatever, and, um, like, weird image 
like image maintenance and like clout and all of that. And it's clout. like, that's not why I'm making art. Yeah. Like I, but I do post it there so people might see it and think like, have it hit them the way it hits me when I'm yeah. making it or have it some kind of effect on it or effect on them, you know, that it that's similar to the the one that it has on me. But yeah, my my roommate then was like, just do it. And it was a whole thing. I was like, you know, hemming and hawing and like anxious <laughs> about it. And then I finally just did it one day. And people were like, this is cool, you know. And I was just working with watercolors and like little ink pens. And then I don't even know really what happened. I just kind of started branching out I wanted to make something really big and then when I made the first thing that I made that was big I was like this is this feels right you yeah, know and yeah. then it just started from there like and I and I paint on anything you know if you if I get some inherit some small canvases like I'm gonna paint on them you mm -hmm, know mm -hmm. but yeah like it's it's there's something in like putting a whole blank canvas on a wall and just like going in on it without like really a thought of what is going to happen mm -hmm. and it just like fills me up is I that your know. method you just you just go into it without... yeah i don't sketch really often okay. i try and explain to people like because i feel like my art brain works all day every day mm -hmm. um you know i'll see a color scheme or like I'll hear a phrase and I'm like oh that's so weird and like turning it over in my head you know or um I see somebody's expression that looks super uncomfortable and I'm like oh god that's like so visceral to me like this like cringy kind of like slimy wormy feeling and it's on your face right now just for half a second and you don't even know it and like I'll put it in my little Rolodex in my head and then I feel like I kind of draw on that but not in a super meticulous way mm -hmm. like I like drawing humans and bodies and expressions that, yeah. and that's that's like where I am able to communicate the like emotions that I want to communicate and that's just yeah so do you know where that comes from wanting to draw bodies humans no no not at all is. i mean it doesn't make sense so it, th it's so funny the way I, I talk about it i think because it just doesn't make sense to me to like draw a rabbit <laughs> you know what i mean yeah. or like draw for me for me and like some people will like paint a rabbit and it's freaking gorgeous or like it feels like something to me and that circuit for me is not there yeah, you know yeah. for me the circuit is like drawing faces humans bodies and that's i maybe one day i'll draw it it'll mean <laughs> something but like right now that's like that that's just what i respond to i think there's so much you can convey in um in drawing people or painting people and mm -hmm. then like in really vivid color as color colors feel feel like things to me that's your paintings feel. I've never seen one in person. I hope you. I can. would love to. But yeah, you should come to the studio. I would love to. Maybe yeah. We should have done this there. No. Yeah. <laughs> no, I would love to hang. Where, where, you don't have to say where it's at. You could tell me off mic. But um, your paintings, from what I see in Instagram, on Instagram, <laughs> is they do feel. Not, alive isn't the right word. That's almost too simple. Uh, not like anthropomorphizing. They just feel inviting in a humanistic way, and they feel like uh, there's more to it. Like they're, I feel like I'm looking into something and, and through something. Yeah. 
there's depth. Yeah, depth. depth. Yeah, that's a better way of putting it. Yeah, <laughs> no, I, I, uh, I hope so. Yes, because they I come think from is. that. Like, I don't know. I've been a lot of it is not. It's not about my recovery, but being in recovery, I feel stuff really deeply because I don't have anything to numb it with, and that was why I used and like. But, you know, plain and simple, like life was too much for me, my emotions too much for me. And that was why alcohol and drugs worked, you know, and like now I don't have those things and I have other like tools that keep me sober. But caffeine. um, Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Cigarettes. Yeah. Yeah. That's Um, a big thing amongst recovering. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. I'm trying to cut back. Um, (laughs) It's going well sometimes. (laughs) It's hard. I mean. I want to hear, keep hearing what you're saying, but what you said struck a nerve with me where you said, um, now you feel everything because you have nothing to numb it. Mm-hmm. I had like this inverse situation in my life where I didn't consume drugs or alcohol mm-hmm. of any kind until much later. I'm 33. And I didn't really drink alcohol or consume it in any regular way mm-hmm. until I was like 25, 26, like your age, 26. Yeah. Before that, it was once, like New Year's Eve, a birthday party, like that's it. Yeah. Um, and then weed, not at all, zero, mm-hmm. never smoked a cigarette, and then no other drugs, no pills, nothing. Mm-hmm. So people would talk about it because, you know, I'm in my 20s. I'm doing all this creative stuff. You would think I would dabble, but I didn't. Yeah. And people would say, like, why don't you do it? And I would say just what you said, like, I want to feel everything. Mm-hmm. But it was also a little morbid. It's like I want to feel the pain that I'm feeling. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm a pretty sad per- I was, not really anymore. Not at all. I was a very sad person, very depressed person, and I deliberately wanted to be sober so I could feel the pain. Like, I wanted the to wallow. Mm-hmm. The wallow and the sadness. Mm-hmm. Which is a very sad thing to think about because a, a lot of people will take drugs mm-hmm. to help out with the sadness. And I wanted to go further and, and feel all of the sadness. Yeah. Yeah. So when you said you wanted to, like, feel... Like life's heavy and you feel it more. Mm-hmm. It's very true. There's something to be said for that, though. Like feeling the sadness because I'm grateful. Like it hurts. Don't it get hurts. me wrong, but like I'm really grateful for feeling the full spectrum of my emotions. Because when you feel that pain, you the joy when it comes. Like you don't have anything to compare it to. True. You know. Yeah. So I get to feel everything big, and yeah. I always have. And that was, you know, one of the reasons why I kind of went into my addiction and like I think it's they also helped pull me out because eventually like the drugs and alcohol stopped working to like numb that stuff you know and I'm like okay well I either have to like get out of this realm you know which is dark or learn how to live with all of this stuff and like art fully helps me make sense of it um it's not necessarily like this conscious reckoning or like conscious processing time it's very subconscious but like I get everything that is like happening inside me out on campus Mm. and I don't really like have anything I don't have any other motivation other than that you know like I just make my art because it helps me get the stuff out and it is like my lifeline to being a normal human you know like I can walk around because I know like I can go into what my is, art and right right well walk uh, with the <laughs> with the f- facade of being a normal Let's human get real. You're not go a normal to work human yeah <laughs> going to work you know like 
partaking from, in society. From one abnormal person to another, I know it when I see it. Yeah. I don't want to know a normal person. Every, for those who aren't watching, air quotes, every normal person knows it's so boring to be around. It's, There's no excitement. It's there. very true. So boring. I always say that. Actually, I was just talking to my partner about that yesterday because I work at um, a restaurant in Logan Square. I've been there for four years, um, like about as long as I've been painting. Um, Do you mind saying which one is? Or? Reno, Reno, Chicago. You're, you're like not at all. No, <laughs> it's a it's like a pizza bar, okay, and then I'll we do go brunch. Check it out. I love it's pizza. great. It's Reno, great. Reno, it's a Chicago. really lovely place to work, which is why I've been there for so long. But I was talking. I we, I was picking my partner up from work. And he was like, how was your night? And I was like, it's so funny. It's just some tables you go up to and you want to chat with. And other tables, it's like, God, like, what do you, what do, you do? Like, what, what's your story? Like, do you have a story or do you just, like, exist here normal? And, yeah. and it doesn't, it, like, you can feel it, like, walking up to a table. What do you table. think that is? What do you, what do you think? Do you think it's the motivation behind, like, the essence of their existence? I don't know. Like what they want out of life and it just emanates. You could just feel it's it. Boring. You could taste it, smell it. It's ethereal. I don't know. I always get it. There's been some, some surprises. Like I've met like a doctor or a lawyer or a banker who like completely, I was like, oh, you like to do art, but they're anomalies. Mm-hmm. But whenever I've met someone that like their main goal is money in life, Mm-hmm. No matter what profession, usually finance and banking. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, you just feel like, oh no, it's just money, like only money. Like, And how sad. It's pretty sad. Because the only thing that happens is you just have to keep accumulating it. Yeah. That's the only thing you're working for. Yeah. No, it, it, you know, it's not, Oof. no way to live. No, no to live. it's not. I don't know what it, I, but that's, I think that's partly like the things that I'm drawn to is, Especially with my work, like, walking up to a person and being able to, like, sense something about them. And whether it's ugly or dark or, like, extremely joyful and light, you know, it's so – that's these things that I can't put my finger on. I feel like I'm able to say in my work. And I can't say them – in words, clearly, <laughs> you know, it sounds very vague and like maybe like I'm bullshitting, but You're it's like dancing. It's around just it. I don't have yeah. the, the 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 vocabulary to describe the thing these things about people specifically. Yeah, but I can do it. In do you take certain people you've met and put them on the canvas, mm, or is it more like a vague type of it depends. Um. Usually if I try to do that, it ends up different anyways because it's just such a – I guess like when I'm painting, if something – I'll just have happy accidents or I'll go a certain way and then it's like, well, this is the way I'm going. And, you know, it, my plan really never works out if I have a plan. So <laughs> I generally just forget having a plan or like people are like, do you sketch – no, I really don't sketch ever. Like, I don't really see the point of sketching out an idea because I know when I'm going to paint. I'd rather just be painting, for one. And two, like, it just it's going to be different. It's mm-hmm. like the, the whole thing is informs itself, like, the whole time, you know, where you're going. And so, yeah. But I use, like, there are specific people, like, I'll have – picture like a polaroid or something that because i have my polaroid camera i take it and i make sure to take a lot of 
pictures. I just like it. I don't know. It makes me feel grateful. Um, but I'll look at somebody's expression in a Polaroid and like sometimes I'll use it as like a thing to reference as I'm drawing the bare bones. But then like once I'm done like kind of graphite on canvas, you know, just sketching out sort of like what's happening, the picture goes out the window and then it looks completely different by the end. But mm-hmm. um and then same with like my partner, like sometimes because you know, there's these like very intimate moments or like even you know how like we're sitting right now mm-hmm. and it's kind of an quote unquote normal way to sit. Mm-hmm. But then like sometimes you're with somebody in an intimate setting and they're like doing some like weird thing like this. And I think that's fascinating. You know, like I really <laughs> like, and so sometimes he probably gets sick of it, but I'll be like, can I take a picture of you right now? And it's like two thirty in the morning and yeah. he's like watching like Netflix like this or something. Exhausted. And yeah. And I'm like, wait, and you want to use that <laughs> yes. as inspiration for your painting. Yeah. And there was this one, this one that I just finished and it, it, it's, Basically, you can't see his head because I was sitting here and he w- had his arm like this and his, his like, all of his, like, little rolls and, like, marks and folds and stuff were, like, very clearly, like, on display. And he was sitting with his legs out. And so, but his head wasn't in the picture. And I mm-hmm. just thought that was so interesting. And so, like, I made a painting that probably you, you can't tell that it's yeah. Eric, but, like you can see that it's just this kind of interesting form. So I guess, yeah, I take from real life, but not, like, photorealistically, you yeah. know? More of the essence of it. Essence, inspiration, yeah. just tinges of life. Yeah, that. or, like, um, what's it called? Oh, this happens to me all the time. My words fail me. Um, <laughs> but Shape? Position. Position. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Just wait. The ways you position a body, I think it's interesting too. Expressions and positions. Those are like the things that I feel like I'm most fascinated yeah. with. That's where um, the physical human world sometimes gets a little misunderstood or, or not fully appreciated, like modeling, mm-hmm. uh, acting, and dancing. The positioning, the poses of the bodies. A lot of people who aren't fully privy to it, educated in or aware, think like, oh, that person, like, they get paid to just sit there and it's like, they're not standing like how you would stand. Yeah. And they're also not doing it for a photo. They're doing that for like hundreds of photos. Yeah. A thousand photos in a day. Many different angles. That's mm-hmm. just the one they, they show you. Mm-hmm. Just like the take you hear of the song, it's not just the one. Especially if it's like a long, epic record. It's probably dozens and hundreds of takes and many tracks and you're just hearing what they showed you. Same mm-hmm. with the movie. You know, a lot more. Um, and so, yeah, when you said that, it reminds me of the models I've spoken with or actors when they talk about like the intensity, how a pose is, the shape of, of your body, how you're yeah. displaying yourself. It says so much more. And there's, it's especially with dance. I never realized how much I liked dancing. I, I like to dance myself, but how much I appreciate like true creative dance form yeah and what the artist is doing yeah you know and that's where you're like a better appreciation of um choreography for like mm-hmm. you know pop stars and, and big bands like that yeah uh ballerinas things like that very it's hard impressive work. it's insane yeah that's why they're always so fit right it's not easy work at right. all to hold those positions and do them over and over again right yeah 
Yeah. Yeah. I I I think it's just like it's so interesting to me. I think one of the things that you said about just what they show you. Yeah. What they don't show you, everything that is left out in like what they show you. That's so interesting to me. One of my friends, he's he's actually like my my if I had a brother, he'd be my brother. Mm-hmm. He's we were born two weeks apart. Like our mothers were pregnant together. I've known him since I was so small. He's one of the first people that I trusted to I don't really care what most people think about my work. Yeah. I care about what he thinks of my work. Mm-hmm. Like, not in the sense of, like, whether he likes it or not, but, like, what he says, what he gets from it, it really matters to me because he knows me on such a deep level, and I know he's very in touch with himself on a similar level. Okay. So, like, anyways. You he value his opinion a lot. So much. Yeah. yeah. And just because he, he, he also sits with it. Like, I know that when I put a painting up in a gallery, not everybody that sees it is going to be with it. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of people are afraid to be with whatever is coming up when they're like looking at a piece of art, in my opinion. But I really like showing my work because I know there will be like at least one person who is with it, you know, like who, who stays with it, who lets it work for them, like take something from it. Like that's, I think what, Art should be, yeah. In my opinion, yeah. or like how I want my art to be. But anyways, he, um, he said really early on, he was like, "Your work is reminds me of this question of like, what do things look like when we're not looking at them?" And that is such that like mm-hmm. has remained in my I brain like for three years. You know, like yeah. what face am I making sometimes I try and do like little mindfulness exercises when I'm like scrolling or something or sitting and just like staring into space and I kind of take a second and don't move but like take in what I might be looking like at that moment and then try and think about that for um like a piece of work or I'll take a picture of myself in the mirror or, like, a self-timer photo thinking about, like, how I might look if in that moment where no one's looking at me, I'm totally, like, not conscious of myself. I'm just sitting there. I think that's really interesting, too. Because we just do so much for what people are seeing of us. Yeah. You know? I think that that spectrum allows for people to subcon Like, what you mentioned earlier when you are... Going up to a table, 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 mm-hmm. table, as a server, and you're talking to people, and you kind of just get a gauge of who you want to like really talk to, and who you're kind of like just doing your job and getting out of the way. Mm-hmm. And I think that same thing is true for why certain people and artists and people through the social media lens, why some are more digestible than others. Mm-hmm. That disingenuous radar that most people have, especially adults have. It's like what our parents had when we were kids. We didn't understand why they knew, like, don't hang out with that kid. Yeah. And you're like, why? And they just can't explain it to you. Yeah. It's because they, like, they saw the way their parents treated them. Mm-hmm. They saw the, how they were in the car. They didn't have manners. All these things you don't know about when you're 12. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing on the internet when why certain art or people or music get a little bit more appreciation or eyes or love. It's that disingenuous radar. Yeah. And we, yeah, everyone has it. And you just can't explain why 
you know when you know. Right. It's very strange. It's just a human character. Well, and then I think there there are people, though, that want to like art but don't want to deal with that. They don't want to deal with it? The genuine uh. nature. I, I don't know. I'm bored by a lot of art. <laughs> I'm... I see it and I'm like, God, like, th- what is this giving to anybody? You mm. know, like, I think there's this um, Vladimir Nabokov essay that I love. And it's about good readers and good writers. And neither one, he talks about how, like, there's this hill. And the happy writer and the happy reader kind of, like, climb the hill, which is the story that they're both writing and or reading, and then they, like, have this happy embrace at the top. But, like, neither one really influenced the other's route up the mountain, you mm-hmm, know, mm-hmm. Over, like, through the story. And I think people don't have to get out of my paintings what I get out of my paintings, but I want them to get something, you yeah. know? Like, I want there to be some kind of grit, something to, like, sink their teeth into, tease out, something that stays with them, something that informs them about themselves. Like, and maybe they're figuring it out for themselves, and I had no intention of them figuring it out for themselves, but it's still there. Like, it still happened through this painting, you know? And I think there's a boatload of people, especially because of social media, that, like, just want to have the code right in front of them and know what they're supposed to be taking from it. And I think a lot of artists make art so that people can have, like, that is already coded. And it's, Mm. like, it already says exactly what it's supposed to mean and, like, what it's supposed to be and what you're supposed to take from it. And people are happy because they get it. Yeah, And they they, feel included. They don't want the thought-provoking. They don't want to do the work. They want to do the work of yeah. trying to understand maybe some type of enigma, a mystery. There's more layers to this. Right. Maybe it's a concept that you have to dig deeper into philosophically speaking. Something they speaking. don't want to see. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it could be, it's a little frightening. I mean, I've, I've had um, a lot of friends on the whole spectrum of just immersed in all art, mm-hmm. obsessed with high quality of everything, people who put years in art, and then those who are super superficial with it mm-hmm. just kind of like yeah whatever like whatever netflix says to watch whatever spotify says to mm-hmm. play whatever fashion is cool right now yeah um and i've seen pain and suffering in both camps uh-huh because you if you're too far in either one like i've gone down the, the purest wormhole just right. like super unrealistic expectations of everything creative because i was like i'm making such intense music i'm trying so hard I'm making up tunings and recording everything and making epic songs with a hundred tracks. But then I'll hear an acoustic song with just a singer and a guitar and it's like mm-hmm. the most beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. And it's so simple and it was not nearly as complicated. Right. And it's in a s- simple key to play in. And they're not doing anything difficult. Right. Yet it's still very thought-provoking. Mm-hmm. It's like, what is that? I think, well, and like, don't get me wrong. Like, I sometimes I watch... Emily in Paris on Netflix. I don't know what that is, but... Oh, God. I can only imagine based on the name. It is the worst show. (laughs) It's so stupid. And, like, and I adore it. It It's the balm for my existence sometimes. I'm like, I love it. I love watching her have these dumb little issues that get resolved (laughs) by the end of the episode. She's in France. What, you know, like, what a lovely little thing. What's what more a funny little is, distraction. like, how you're so haggard now. 
Like there's like fairy dust glowing off. Oh, like, it's so nice. Oh like so there's something to be said for people. Like you make art and people get it right away. This and like they feel, <laughs> they, feel they feel they um, feel included. That's a nice thing. I hope people feel included on a daily basis at least once. It almost feels their like day. you're being a little sarcastic. No, but like, like that's true. <laughs> but also, like, do some fucking work and be uncomfortable as well. Sorry, I'm allowed to swear. You can say whatever you want. Oh my god! Everyone asks. <laughs> Everyone swears. And goes, Wait, can I do that? Oh man! Yeah, you, can do it. <laughs> yeah. you know what's oh. funny about Emily in Paris? I don't know anything about it, but <laughs> I'm sure there's hair, and makeup, set design. Lighting, lenses, tons of art. And I love her outfits. Just to simplify something that's probably digestible for anybody. Mm-hmm. Probably all ages, I'm assuming. Mm-hmm. Um, but to make that, they have to do the, the costumes, the hair, the makeup, the right. set. Um, do all this, the music, the score, everything. Yeah. And it's still like a ton of creative stuff to make a more digestible piece of art. Right. You know. And that's a lovely thing. Like yeah. I really enjoy the fact that. There are things that let me distract myself, and I get to be in La La Land we in Emily that. in Paris's we, we yeah. world for twenty minutes when I decide to watch an episode, and that's so nice. You and know, that's for like, what's the age group you think that mostly watch Emily in Paris? Mm, and it's okay. It's to be so honest. funny that you, um, maybe, maybe like the teens to. 26? <laughs> the mid-30s, I would say. Because there is, like, oh, some... Oh, so, like, 15 to 35? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. There is that yeah. version of, like, every tier of type of person. Because mm-hmm. that same thing that you, like, you just said there's, like, which is, it's a thing right now, like, White Lotus. You know? I haven't watched it. Right. And, and it, I kind of want to. Well, I've, I'm almost done with it. Okay. It's good. Uh, I adore Jennifer Coolidge. <laughs> I love her. I have a lot to say about it uh-huh. because I didn't watch the first or second season. There's a big craze about it amongst people my age. Right. A lot of late, like mid-20s to mid-30s, yeah. people who are of the pop culture world and mm-hmm. the woke world and educated world, mm-hmm. you know, they watch Succession and White Lotus mm-hmm. and Barry, you know. Yeah, I haven't seen any of those. <laughs> I, I have something to say about all three. I've seen all three. <laughs> Barry's my favorite. Okay. Is, Barry's the best one. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> on so many levels. But it is it is subjective. So I'm going to my subjective opinion. Is that an oxymoron? Opinions are always subjective. I'm going to my opinion. White Lotus is like, it's like a soap opera on steroids mm-hmm. with like very creative cinematography. Mm-hmm. It is not in any way, shape, or form, an original idea mm-hmm. at all. I can, go, I can go to sleep just fine saying that. Mm-hmm. Um, the music tricks people into who, who don't know anything about music to thinking it's really, really good. creative score. <laughs> it's like, uh, you should probably do some homework on cinema. That was really pretentious to me, but I could say it because I've done Whatever, that's okay. I've done the homework. I've seen, I've seen it I all. I like being a hater sometimes. I'm not being it's a hater. It's fine. This is, this is such a... <laughs> This is a technical critique. It's got even – it's just – I don't know how to say this. I'm not going to say it. i bold. It's what people would say is for normies. Great. You know what I'm saying? Yes, I do. I normally don't say that. I let other people say it and I just laugh at it. But that's what it is. It's very good at that. And it's not really a bad show. It's still entertaining, but it's very like, oh, it's juicy. It's like all these rich people mm-hmm. at this hotel in Italy. Ooh, it's mm-hmm. juicy. It's like 
It's very, it's very dramatic and very like easy and simple to figure out. Nothing yeah. complicated. It, it, it's too on the nose. Um, and it's very Paris sexy. It's very like sexy. That. You know, mm-hmm. it's sexy. It's, it's, it's promiscuous. It's ooh, it's juicy. It's gonna sell. It's juicy. Exactly. It's like what? Of course, people love watching beautiful people on beautiful cameras in a beautiful place. So that's my take on White Load. It's not a bad yeah. show, but it's not special to me in any way, shape, mm-hmm. or form. But certainly entertaining. Succession, similar, but really stressful because it's all about like, it's fascinating to see their take on the billionaires in the way that we see the world as far as the news mm-hmm. and finance and tech and how they're kind of showing that world. Um, it's also kind of funny. Because it's like their dynamic, the family dynamic. They're all messed up, like uh-huh. rich billionaire kids. And right. They're just, it's brutal. It's kind of sad to watch sometimes. Yeah. But I can see people love it too. People really enjoy watching stuff they can't live mm-hmm. ever. You don't want to live that life. You don't want to live Breaking Bad life, but you love watching it. Mm-hmm. It's wild to watch, but you never want to be in that world. Right. And it's the same thing with those movies or shows. Barry is just ridiculously funny, mm-hmm. strangely like dark in its humor, and a very unique concept. Mm-hmm. Just like, uh, you know, a hired person who comes out of the military who's hired to kill people ends up getting out of it and wants to be an actor. And it's a wild... Oh, wow. Yeah. What is that on? HBO. Okay. It's Got it. so funny. I'll watch it. I like will cry laughing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's funny because I don't watch... I'm so... I don't have the patience to watch almost anything except American Idol. <laughs> so, wait, so Emily goes to Paris? <laughs> okay, so Emily, Emily in Paris. Paris that, Emily in Paris that American popped Idol. into my head because I actually haven't watched the, the most recent season, but I had watched it during, I think, like the latter years of COVID, and then last year there was one. But I can't sit down and, like, watch a movie. I can't sit down and watch a new show. If I start a show, I will never finish it. So American Idol. You do not strike me as someone who watches American Idol. I adore American Idol. You're the last person I would have. I love a singing competition. If people threw people on the street and were like, point to someone who watches American Idol, it wouldn't be you. To me. Oh, my God. I'd be like the creative-looking woman with piercings and tattoos. No one would. No one would peg me for it. I (laughs) adore singing competitions. What about America's Got Talent? I don't watch America's Got Talent. Oh, I don't know why. <laughs> it's not. I just, I I don't know what it is, but it brings me joy. American Idol brings me joy. Is it nostalgic because it's been around your whole life? Maybe because I did watch it with my parents. Because it came out in what, 2001, 2002? Yeah, and I didn't watch it for a while, and then we started watching it, and I just like, oh It's been around gosh. forever. Do those so top good. people who get picked, do they actually like make it in the industry? Sometimes. That's sad. Sometimes not. Could you imagine going that far and then just nothing happens with your career? Yeah. Yeah. I mean. It's interesting. I can't stand those shows because after how much singing I've heard in my life, thousands and thousands of takes and recordings, it's so unbelievably subjective. At the end of the day, like the preference you have for someone's timbre. Mm -hmm. Of their voice, the the quality, the tonal quality of their voice is a very subjective thing. Yeah, yeah. You know? My partner, he's he's musical, and um, but it's funny we we just like we'll watch it, and we just we ha- we have our chills during certain performances. We are upset for the people that we think should have stayed on. <laughs> you know, there's this one guy who went home last week, and he 
had like incredible guitar player. My partner is like classically trained jazz guitarist. Okay. And so he's like very like he knows when he hears good yeah. guitar playing. And this man was like gorgeous voice, but really, really technically gifted guitarist. And he went home and we were like, no, you know, and that's I don't know. It was it, it's just something that was like that's fun that we can connect on. Yeah, that's you get to know low the people. Stakes that I don't have to think about my feelings during. You know, I'm only <laughs> the feelings that I'm being fed by the performances, and that's it. You know, it's very like cut and dry. You're really into this. Oh, I love You're it. You're like getting so physically. Yeah, yeah, but then, <laughs> like, oh, it's like slagging through, trekking through mud making like art or looking at art sometimes mm. like like doing my paintings because it's hard but it also has this like really glorious payoff that's like whew. is it like i've exercised yes it's like definitely catharsis there's definitely it's funny cuz i'll get to this point where i'm like very irritable if I'm not in the studio for a couple days in a row, because mm-hmm. I have whatever going on, and I'll be in the studio for five minutes, and I've like snapped at my partner, I've like been like stomping around, and then all of a sudden, I'm painting for five minutes, and I turn around and I'm like, I'm so sorry, you know, like I'm I, like I know at what you mean. Like, it's it's probably along the same uh, psychological <laughs> lines of. Hangry, like hungry. Yeah. Or I like to exercise every day. So if I don't get like my, my hike in and my mm-hmm. push-ups and push-ups, push-ups and all that in, I get a little, I get fidgety. Right. I get frustrated. Right. Agitated. Um, I haven't had band practice in a bit, although we probably should practice soon. But when I would have it consistently, like mm-hmm. every week, the, a week that we'd like miss it, I'd get frustrated. Right. Like, I wanted to practice with the band. Like, I wanted, I, I liked seeing the growth of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, everything I'm talking about has a, a growth to it. It's yeah. slow, but you, it has it. So when you miss it, you feel like you're you're going backwards. Right. And you probably feel the same, like, you're growing as an artist. A couple of days in a row, you're picking up on ideas. You you get, you're almost done with this piece. Yeah. To miss out on that, it's just like, like. Oh, my God. Yeah. You, we need, well, it goes to show how much humans need something to live for. Right. Something to well, do. Well, and that's the thing. That, like, you were saying, like, if you know people that have been in both camps, you know, like, very purist and, like, very, like, corporate or like, yeah, whatever yeah. that is. And I think you do need both. You, you need know, both, yeah. I do need my my hour and a half of watching people sing and ha- hearing their stories, you know, every week where I'm like, oh, <laughs> this is nice. You know, this is just a nice time. I always wonder who still watches that, and I found out who. It's me. <laughs> You're the only reason why it's, it's still me. on <laughs> There are like 22 million votes every week. Oh I don't know who's God. watching It's probably it. a bunch of kids and families. I Yes, probably. And then you and your dog. And me and, your and partner. Yeah, we all just, we just, <laughs> it's great. Whatever. I haven't watched basic TV, because it's on just like cable TV, like. Yeah, I, w- I mean, it's on Hulu. So oh, that's it is? How so I- that's how you watch it? Mm-hmm. Oh, so like no commercials? Yeah. I didn't know it was on Hulu. But it's that makes great. sense because Hulu is owned by, what channel is that on? I don't know. ABC? NBC? CBS? Fox? Fox? I don't know. I think it might be on Fox. And I think Hulu is either owned by Fox or they own it because they also have Spike, which I think is a Fox. Combo. I don't know. 
There's like six companies in the world, and they just I know. all own everything. Corporate all. Whenever you're confused, like who owns it's like just Disney. Just assume it's probably Disney. Probably everybody. Assume it's Disney, yeah. and you're probably that or like Amazon. Amazon. Or mm-hmm. Apple. One mm-hmm. of those three. Google. Yeah. Yeah. Monopoly. No, I know. It's, it's. Have it you gone into the, throw up. the fine art world? Have you dabbled in there where you're like big galleries? Um, I was actually talking to Sarah about this. Um, well, so I show with like small galleries in Chicago and then there's this one gallery, which is also a smaller gallery, but really awesome in um, Hermosa Beach in Los Angeles. I applied to one of their shows earlier this year and I got in. I was really stoked about it. When are we going? Um, I went. It was mm-hmm. awesome. Thanks we can go no anytime <laughs> though because like I went out there. I drove my piece out there. Um, you drove all the way We drove out there. Out there. Yeah, Dang. because that's I, a it, good was drive. A, it was a six foot by four foot painting. So I was like, I'm not going to spend a thousand dollars and ship it. not just go. Yeah. You know, I might as well just go. So we went and like just really connected with the people that run the gallery. And they're like, anytime you want to put work in our space, like just let us know, like we can do it. So I've been sending like little paintings and I keep up with them and I sold a piece through them, which was like really huge. It was a big piece that was mine. And that was really validating for me and really exciting in LA, in Hermosa beach. Okay. So just like a little bit South of the city proper. Um, I'm going to try to go there in late October. It's called Shockbox gallery. I'll check it out. And they're amazing. Um, just like it's like group shows most of the time mm-hmm. and just really beautiful selections of work and like cool artists, really lovely artists. They do a cool thing actually. Um, I don't know if their newest show started, but I'll send you the deets next time. They do um, like a collector's preview on Zoom. So it's just when all of the artists and like other people that want to see the show that aren't in LA get to see it via Zoom, Mm -hmm. and the artists will talk about it. It's the day before the actual opening there. And it is so fun because Mm -hmm. you get to hear anybody that's on there that has work in the show, like, talk about their work. It's always – it's just so different, like, how people talk about their work. You know, the way I talk about it, it's, like, light years away from the way the person that's hanging next to me talks about it. It's, like, so interesting to me. And, um – and yeah, so that that's kind of a cool thing that they do. And I get to feel involved when I'm not in LA. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um but yeah, that so I, I showed with them. Um I'm trying to recently actually, because I we got our puppy a month ago. So I've been like spending more time with her than I have in the studio. So I've been trying to um apply to shows and like residencies and stuff. And I try. I just I think it's hard with my stuff because a lot of it is unstretched. It's gigantic. It's I don't know what medium this is. It's I'm not going to give you an artist statement because I really just don't want to and I'd rather somebody look at it and figure it out for themselves. Like, I hate to break it to you. That's just not how it works. <laughs> I know. I know. And I I don't care, you know? Like I just yeah. – you know what? Like, well, I, it, What kind of media? It's canvas with oil or canvas with water? There's or both. It's um well so the like the last few things I mix all the time so spray paint, ink, watercolor, um oil paint, um sometimes acrylic paint, sometimes screen prints on canvas like my most recent one okay. it was a huge 7 by 7 foot 
watercolor with like a couple little parts of oil pastel and then a bunch of screen print. Okay. And that's you, you know, I'm just it's so big and they're not something I really want to explain so that everybody can digest it really easily and I think that makes like it hard mm-hmm. for people to accept my work in shows. Yeah. And I think it also makes it hard for people like the 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 content because I know that some people or a lot of people that have looked at my work have said like it hits, like it's like it's hitting, it's impactful, it's really heavy sometimes to look at. And I know that some people don't want to say they don't like it because of that, but I know that that's the case with some people. I kind of feel like I can tell when people don't like my work because it's like too much. What's not to like about it? I don't know. I guess I'm the wrong person. Right. Because I like Right. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> I and, like too much. Right. Right. You know? And I think, yeah. I just, can't tell. It's not like everybody's, yeah, it's not everybody's <laughs> cup of tea and that's, that's fine. I'd rather you tell me that though than yeah. like. BS me about like how you like it, but you actually really don't like it. Have nothing to say yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. good about it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I it's just I'm trying. Go, I'm why trying. Go big? Why do you go so big? Just because it's it feels right to me. So what what's like some of your smaller sizes you tend to work with? Um well my smallest things that I've done this year are the the print the prints that I did. So in I went to Richmond, Virginia. Um my friend Alex Giffen She's a printmaker down there. Um, she's a master printer. She has this little print, pr- like um, it's a big print, old print press. It's really, really fucking cool. And she mm-hmm. has a studio. It's called The Asylum. Um, we met on Instagram and I went down there for two and a half weeks and did a little residency. And we made two print editions and I made 22 mono prints. And they were all, like, 14 by 14 or so mm-hmm. inches. Um, and that was really cool because I got to, like, get it my hands on it, like, a new medium. And I really like it and want to keep going with it. Um, but then, like, smallest paintings, I would say 20 by 30 Okay, inches. so it's, like, two by three feet, yeah. give or take? Yeah, yeah. Got it. I got yeah. a lot of those. Yeah. Yeah. It's... Hard for me to stay that small, though. <laughs> you seem more like a four by six foot type of person. I like six. four by six. I've, I've recently it's been five by seven, seven five by, by seven. seven. Like I have a good big one to show you. I used to have a boys. lot of big ones, but when I moved, I couldn't hold on to all the big ones. Yeah, so one I gave away to a friend. Another one I put out by uh, the street. A car came and picked it up. Mm-hmm. Like I, so many, so much artwork over the years I've collected. Been grateful for it. Lucky. But I have a really funny one. I'll show you when we're done. That's I'm excited. It's wild. Yeah. yeah. I love big work. I don't know. If, and for me, it just it it's more maybe it's partly the size swallows you a little bit. Yeah. Um I love big work too. I wish I had a bigger place. Yeah. I have pieces that are from the festival. Uh-huh. I have pieces that are like the backdrops and the stage work that artists made for me. Uh-huh. Um 28 by 8 feet. Yeah. 4 feet by 96 feet. Right. <laughs> right. I'm talking, I have stuff to wrap around houses. Gigantic, yeah. And I just don't have the space for it right now. Yeah. But, like, when I have bands come in in sessions, I have my backdrop for one of the stages I put in. It goes from that door, wraps around 
all of this and goes in front of the TV and it covers the whole cool. thing. It's oh, amazing. Oh, yeah. It's the same artist who did that backdrop. Cool. And I love it because it's not only is it custom, it was done by an artist. Mm-hmm. Their idea, I always gave them one rule. It just needs to say DZ Fest in the yeah. center and then everything else. Do whatever you want. And yeah. a lot of artists, um, be, being a creative in, uh, person and an artist, I like to choose someone's work because I like the way they do it, whatever they do. Like if I had you make something and I'd be like, all right, Claire, just put like as big as you want, whatever you want, just put DZ Fest right in the center. Yeah. And then any way you do anything else, I don't want to even know. Just do whatever you want. Yeah. I have no say in it. And some artists would be like, wait, what? Like, because they're used to <laughs> someone wanting to direct them and tell them. And I'm like, no, like, I want you to do you. Just uh-huh. do yourself. Like, yeah. be, let it come out however it comes out. Mm-hmm. I'll love whatever you do because I already like your work. And yeah. I'm a big fan of letting people just do what they want. Yeah. Not controlling it. That's a beautiful thing. I, well, I, I, I like it when people give it to me because yeah. I hate being told what to do with what I know how to do. That's the same for me. When I have a, a thing that I have to do on the canvas that's not just do you, I procrastinate the hell out of it. Like a hired it thing? It takes me so long yeah. to do. I'm the same way. The further it gets from like my craft, when I have like extra work I do for clients mm-hmm. and it's just not what Ben likes to do. It's, it's super like, just like a prom- like a corporate promo video or something. Yeah. I'm like, uh, Right. Not- I mean, it's still in the world. It's just something about that spark that goes like making up your own thought. Yeah. Not having it. It's so like, I don't know. It's that feeling people get when they have jobs they hate and they get they have no say in anything. Yeah. Repetitive jobs that don't do anything for them. It's that same sinking feeling where like, uh-huh. I can do this, but it doesn't feel right. I feel claustrophobic feel in my own body uh-huh. doing this type of work. Yeah. And it's so, it's so like just like going back to what we were talking about. You know, there's like this feels good, mm-hmm. feels right. And so does this like mindless understanding force-fed like coded tv show you know that is just supposed to make me feel happy that feels good too but like you need both Mm -hmm. and like yeah that's um the for me it's like yeah my art i need to i just need to engage with it my brain needs it i am sick in my brain if I'm sick in my brain, period. period. <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought you were going to say, like, I'm sick in my brain. I am sick in my brain. And I'm sicker if I don't exercise some of it. Like, one, like, and like, then you make pretty the regular. Yes. And that, I think <laughs> I, I, I love that sickness in me because it makes my art, I'm not. It makes me less ashamed of that sickness, you know, like if there's Mm. dark parts of me that I just like would rather, you know, hide away. That comes out in my art and I can make it really beautiful, at least in my eyes. And that's very healing to me too. Like it's a different kind of feeling good. It's a different kind of um, substance, I think. It's filling up my purpose, I guess. Um, what advice would you give to someone if they had their own type of ver- sickness, their own version of uh, something they were facing? Yeah. What advice would you give to them to do to like help with that? Like how you said, when you do it, when you have it, it's not as bad. It's not as harsh. You have meaning. You have you have something to do and live for. I think all my work is 
is familiarizing myself with different sides of the sickness. And I think that's a really helpful thing for people. Like if you have a shame, if you have um, a secret, like a trauma, something dark, it helps generally when you're afraid of it, you're only thinking about like one side of it. And when you like take it and like let it sit at this table with you and turn it around and ask it questions and get to know it and understand what it's trying to do, what are its motives, like it becomes less scary, you know? Yeah. And and so I think that's partly like just in the very like simplest of terms in the context of my paintings – I'll draw people that look sad, you know, or look pained or um, conflicted or uncomfortable in these very vibrant, like, to me, gorgeous colors. And it just gives them a different dimension, you know. So you can look at that expression and it doesn't make you go – It like, it's it kind of does, but it's also really gorgeous and enticing and that's – I think I I guess like that it's the same with um things that in, inside you that you might not want to look at all the time, you mm. know, but generally like we have this one track mind of like okay, well this thing I'm scared of, so like I'm not I'm just going to hide it away, but when you really bring it into the light, it's not that. Yeah. scary, you know, and like it's a part of you. Mm. So you might as well get to know it. Yeah. You know? Be comfortable with expressing yourself. Yeah. And you think that happened with you? Were you like that before you got sober? Before I got sober? Yeah. Were you Were you like that? Were you comfortable with expressing yourself? Oh, no. Okay. Mm -mm. You think that was suppressing that? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Was yeah. it, do you mind me asking, was it like alcohol? Um, alcohol and various drugs. drugs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm familiar. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, I mean... It's a big part. I've, I've, it's been four, almost four years. It'll be four years in August. Young to make um, that decision. Yeah. Like 23? Yeah. And I actually was sober a year before. So I got sober the first time at 21, and then I relapsed after about a year. Mm. And then I went back to it after, like, I, like, was out for, like, a month or so. How did you um, know so young that that was the decision to make? Like, that's – a lot of people usually it's, like – I feel like people go sober in like their thirties and forties, uh -huh. or kids, like family, yeah, stuff like that. I mean, there are people in my family that are in recovery, um, so I knew that like alcoholism was a thing that was yeah. present in my genes, and I think really like I was, I don't know, not to mince words, like I was gonna like either kill myself or get better. You know, and that was... It was that bad? Yeah, yeah. At 21? Uh-huh, yeah. And when did you start? Um, It wasn't that long. I think my first, like, drunk was at 16. So it's just five years? Yeah, but I went off the deep end, like, pretty pretty quickly. You went into it? <laughs> yeah. You, you liked it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, not so much, like, alcohol. Like, I didn't like, like, the taste of it. You know how, like, normal people would... Do you like it? Oh, yeah, it tastes good. See, I'm you more know? of a, a no, taste no. person. I'm... I the effect of yeah. it in my brain not well, let's, let's get real it's all taste and effect yeah i don't trust someone that's like i just like the way it tastes like you realize that taste is ethanol right yeah like yeah. you love the flavor of let's say bourbon because it's vanilla uh -huh. 
and different woods and smokes and there's this and that. But there's also, it's 50% ethanol. Yeah. Every time you sip it, you're getting buzzed and flavor. Yeah, I didn't like the taste. You know, I didn't like, I like, like the it taste, but I'm not in. I'm not in denial that it's also alcohol in combination. Yeah, with same with a good wine. It's like, yeah, I love the way this wine tastes, but I also like the fact that after hate I have wine. a glass of it, I get buzzed. You hate, <laughs> hate wine. wine, but drank so much wine, <laughs> like, and it purely because it made me basically. It, I didn't have to live as myself. Yeah, and like I think art getting sober helped me I like didn't know who the heck I was. Mm. I I was so many things for so many people because I just wanted to avoid myself constantly. That's mm. why I was so it got so bad so fast because yeah. I just like realized oh I like don't have to, you know, deal with what's on the inside and that's great. And then when you're so removed and disconnected from yourself, you know, I always describe it as like a shattered sense of self. So, like, if I was a mirror, you know, I was just reflecting back a million different people, like, like based on what I needed from them, based on what our relationship was, like, I was a different Claire. And it didn't matter to me because I didn't have to deal with, like, the consequences because they were numbed out. And then when they stopped working, that was when I really got into, like, this very low place, you know, Um I mean, I was in a low place for a while while I was using, but, like, once it got to the point where, like, oh, I'm using, I still feel this way, it's not working anymore, I'm fucked, you know? Like, I don't know what to do. And that was when I got some help. Um, And, yeah. And now it's, like, second nature. I just realized I like being sober better than I like being messed up. I like being sober. Yeah. More than I like being messed up too. Yeah. I just like being messed up like 5%. Yeah. <laughs> like the weekend, you know, like a Saturday or Friday yeah. or party, celebration, yeah. friends in town. But most of the time during the week, I don't want any, I want to sleep well. I want to feel good. Yeah. I, I need, I want to get work done. I want to remember the movie. I want to remember the conversation. Yeah. Everything just runs better. Life, physically, especially as you get older, you just don't function well. Right. When you're hungover mm-hmm. or when you're stoned. Like, you just don't. It's just not good fuel. Yeah. But that's just my dynamic when I with can't it. You make, know? Like, I can't make anything when I'm not. All of my creative power comes from my emotional trough mm-hmm. in here mm-hmm. you know I have so much stuff going on and it kind of is the fuel and the motivator and the reason behind making my work and when I don't have that which like if I were to drink you know I'm numbing that out mm-hmm. well I don't have anything to do you know and so I think I would never I, – I, I like really I, – I, I think of my creativity as this like very sacred thing that I have to protect mm. and that I don't get if I'm not well, you know, if yeah. I'm not doing the things I need to keep myself well um, and sober. Um, I lose that and that would be – it's one – it's like my biggest gift. Yeah. You know, it's been my biggest gift. Like It I is a gift. To, yeah. You have a gift and it's very mature to – to recognize that at 21, 23. Yeah. <laughs> very, it is. It's not. 
there are some people that handle drugs and alcohol just fine. I, I hope to be that person that's just like very chill with it. I don't need yeah. it. I do many sober months a year. I do uh-huh. sober October, sober January. Sometimes a sober May. Oh. It's been a little harder. This time. <laughs> <laughs> but it's okay. I just like to do it. I like to clean myself out, prove that I can do it, uh, re- regenerate, whatever. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you get some friends on board. It's a good thing for like, your group, your siblings, whoever. Yeah. Certainly doesn't hurt. But um, those people have good relationships with it. And then there are those, we all know them. You might have been them who were just, you hoped that they would stop. You're like, this yeah. person needs to stop. No, like, there was no. They're such a mess. There was no option for me to like be chill with it. That's just not, I'm, I mean, like I consider it a sickness. It's a disease. It's totally one. And, and you don't realize it until you either live it or you're you close to somebody who lives it. And not exactly. like you hear about it. But close. And by yeah. close, I mean sibling, partner, best friend, right. parents. Like, you'll be really, like, you gotta live within it. You have to wake up by them. Right. You have to go to bed by them. You have to see the way it's affecting everything. Right. And when I've been through that with close people in my my life, it I've been like, oh. Uh-huh. Like, I, someone can go, like, you wanna drink? I'm like, no. Yeah. Or, yes, and I have one. Mm-hmm. I'm like, everything's fine. <laughs> I have seen people. I can't believe how much they have zero. It's like no. they don't even have a say in the matter. No, you it's don't. Crazy. You you lose you lose choice. Yeah, there's I, no choice. And it doesn't. I don't appreciate the people who are outside of that. They're like, I don't understand. It's like you don't understand because you don't have. You do not have that gene. You don't have that sickness. brain. You yeah. don't have that sickness. You don't have whatever it is. The combination of things mm-hmm. that have to happen. You clearly don't have it, but you cannot say that. That, that it doesn't exist. Yeah. Mental health is not very, it's a very real thing. Yeah. And drug addiction is so strong and real. I, I've i seen people just like not, I mean, they care, but they just throw their life away. Yeah. For the drug, for yeah. the pill, for, so I have a huge, huge problem with the pharmaceutical company. Right. I've seen it ruin literally people's lives in my family and Absolutely. friends. Just ruin. Well, and that Sad. was one of the things that I realized getting sober was there was this Claire, like, first and foremost, like, I wanted to die, you know, and I needed to get better. But, like, second, I thought of myself as this Claire that had, I want to be a good person. I want to be a loving person. I want to show up for my friends. I don't want to get in fights with my friends or make them feel like I'm hurting myself, hurting them. Um, I want to show up for my family. Like there are values that I have, like principles that I want to live by. And I was absolutely incapable, no matter how much I thought about it and like believed that I was going to measure up to like the person that I wanted to be. The minute I took a drink, it's out the window. Mm -hmm. Like there's no chance that I'm going to be that person that I want to be. And like if I'm sober, I have a shot at that. You know, and yes. so that's kind of there's just like not it's not an option. It is an option. It's always an option. But like there's not any part of me that wants to go back to Aren't that because yeah. I wouldn't be myself anymore. And like for for once, like finally, in the, you know, the last four years, like I've gotten to a point where like oh, I like myself, you yeah. know, I like myself. I want to be this person. That's a miracle for somebody like me because I didn't know who I was and I absolutely did not want to find out and didn't want to like be around myself for 24 hours a day which is why I had to why 
I think it's just like there's a lot of pain, you know. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of um, like trauma stuff. Um, I'm not gonna like get into yeah, to. like too <laughs> yeah. too much, you know. But yeah. there, you know, everybody has their own thresholds for stuff, and like I've been through things. Um, I'm alcoholic. Um, I have just like. I think I didn't want to sit with these, like, ugly, dark things that I was really supremely afraid of. And it was easier to just say, okay, I'm going to disappear for the next 10 hours, you know. Mm-hmm. And I can, like, still look like I'm around, but I don't have to feel anything. And, yeah, yeah I think wow, it's just... I think that's, like, what, like, most people that have the sickness, like, are hiding from something mm-hmm. within themselves, you know? Yeah, yeah. And. you it's, Sometimes you just know it. When you're around it a lot, you just know. You can see it. Yeah. Like, what's, I wish you would just talk to me about it. Like, yeah. What's bothering you? What's yeah. wrong? Right. And they're not capable of it because they're too afraid. Too afraid. They, they need help, extra yeah. hand. Yeah. Yeah, the best thing you can do for someone who is. Going through it, living it is not berate them and guilt them. The guilt thing will never work. Yeah, yeah. Uh, is just talk to them. Put yeah. your hand on their shoulder, give them a hug, mm-hmm. let them know you're there. Right. That's all you can That's do. That's all you can do. It really is. Yeah. You're not going to stop it. You can lead a horse to water, like, but you can't. You're not going to stop it. Mm-hmm. I've, I've, I've had to go to hospitals with people. Mm-hmm. Didn't stop them. No. It doesn't do anything. Right. Usually it just upsets them more. They go right. further into hiding. Right. Yeah, you have to just show that you're there and you care. Mm-hmm. And they're not alone. Yeah. That's about it. Yeah. I think that's like that, um, you know, it's funny. Like my partner, he, we met, um, he's also in recovery. And we met but didn't really like know each other. Like it was kind of just through like mutual friends. And he saw my art and – he was interested in talking to me about my art before he was, like, interested in talking to me about me, you mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. because he – something in it spoke to him. And I think because we've been through similar things as people with this disease that are, you know, now sober, there are things in the work just because I'm making it that speak to people that, like, have those wells of – sadness or have had those experiences or there's something that they're hiding that like oh they see this like really ugly thing that's beautiful you know Mm -hmm. like like i don't know yeah you kind of know when you see it yeah and so that was like we started he bought a tiny print of or a tiny watercolor that i did i was like selling a bunch of stuff because i was broke and i was like Here's things for under fifty dollars. Yeah. <laughs> like here's a bunch of Wait, them. You were an artist who was broke. Yeah. <laughs> Never Crazy. Heard of such a thing. That's not possible. <laughs> but yeah, like that's how we met. We just talked about that, mm-hmm. and yeah, there's and there's different things that people respond to, and then like he is always very infatuated with the eyes that I make. Mm. And then there are other people that are like, oh, my God, the reds, you know. And it's, I like it all. Yeah. It's so, there's so many things going on. Yeah. How, say you have like a four by four piece uh-huh. and you're just, or whatever size, like five by five, a hundred by hundred. And you're just doing your own original thing. You're just doing what you want to do. Mm. How much time do you 
if you can throw an average on something of that size, do you spend on the piece? It really depends on, because some pieces I get stuck. Like, they don't tell me what they need to be um, as much as I mess with them, you know? Like, and I kind of just have to keep making marks on them until something like, I'm like, oh, there it is, you you know? Yeah, yeah. Don't you love those, though? Yeah, and then other (laughs) pieces, I'll, an hour and a half. And it's oh, done, okay. you know, like other yeah. other times I'll just, it's one studio session and really big ones, you know, and like sometimes it's just there and it's going to come out and it's going to come out fast. And then other ones, like I will spend eight months um, just tinkering and then all of a sudden I'm like, oh my God, there it is. And I do a bunch of work on it and it's done in the next yeah. two days, you know. So usually I produce it fast, but like the thought. Like, sometimes it just has to be born in my brain for Mm. it to fully realize itself, you know? Okay. So it's – I don't paint. I've always wanted to paint, but it's something similar to music. There's some songs you write, and it's within an hour you have a full song. Uh Like a band. Yeah. Like, in the band I'm currently in, I've been in too many, but – Every band has a different method, just like every artist does of making a painting uh-huh. or a writer or a book or an essay. But some songs, it's, yeah, an hour. You have the drums, guitar, guitar. Everything's just, like, came to fruition. Uh-huh. It, for some reason, every idea is shocked. Yeah, that's a great look. Do that. Break there. Take that out. Boom. And there's some songs Bam. you're working on them for a year. Uh-huh. And finally, you either, like, scrap it. Yeah. Or you're like, okay, that's it. That's the way we're going to do it. Yeah. And... There's no rhyme or reason. It's apparently it's. I think that's all creative stuff. I think there so is no too. way to quantify the the measurement of time, or how you, where the inspiration even comes from. Yeah. Sometimes you can pinpoint a painting like I was inspired because of this, and that's why that. Yeah. Other ones you're like, uh, my life inspired it. I don't even know. Yeah. It just it just happened. I think it's all for me. It's like always my life, but like, it's so humbling to be stuck because you realize it's not. It's coming through you Mm. and like something else, like the craft, the universe, you know, the experiences, um, it like shows you that like, okay, you know, I'm not the only force at work here. Mm -hmm. I believe that for my stuff at least. Like I know that I am part of it, a necessary part of it. But also, I am not the whole thing. Like, it does not come out how it comes out just based on me. Because there are a lot of things that I don't know how to explain. Like, I'm like, I don't know why I chose to do that. But I know that when I looked at it, it looked right. Mm-hmm. And that's all I can say about it, you know? And it got, like, I don't know. That's it, it. That's a really hard thing to describe for people because there's not a formula no matter how well I know how to do a certain technique, which I really don't. <laughs> I didn't go to any, like... You didn't go to any pa- school or No, anything. no. You said you were in the Bronx for school? I went to Fordham University, and I got my bachelor's in French and humanitarian studies. French, huh? Oui. You speak French then? <laughs> um, I can definitely understand it better than I can speak it well, now. It's like and, there's and, more. Uh, Sarah can hold a conversation. And... Probably. Yeah. 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 I. That's funny. So French and what else? Humanitarian studies. Okay. So and why I... those subjects? And why the Bronx? I will. 
I got I had a I had a full ride to okay. Fordham. Um well, that's good. Yes, it was awesome. No student loans here. I, I hate you. I please do. Please. It's fine. <laughs> I'm it's hate my me. cross to bear, man. Yeah, you know what? I don't have to it's deal such a with cross frig- yeah, this I know. <laughs> yeah. Everybody can hate me if it makes you feel better. And I'm so sorry that you have student loans because it's fucked up. Yeah. Higher education is a fucking racket. I, it's insane to me. <laughs> working in it, trust me, it, it is a between doing what I do here and then teaching classes and seeing both sides of it at a university, it is a, it's a strange thing to bear. What like, do you to, teach? I teach at Illinois State University in the Creative Technologies Department. Oh, cool. Just got voted to become a school, so we're going to become our own school. Oh, cool. Which is huge, yeah. In the, and I helped to design and create the audio music production sequence, oh, which is sick. really it's really fun. Yeah. So I've been there for five years. This will be my sixth year coming up. Wow. And But uh, I do four classes a semester. Do you have to go down to Bloomingdale? I do. Bloomington, yes. Oh, Bloomington. Yeah, I Bloomington. do. Every Tuesday, Thursday, I drive 134 miles one way. Stop. So, oh when gosh. people complain about driving in distance, I laugh. Yeah. I laugh a lot. Yeah. Because I go, well, in two days, I drive like 540 miles. Yeah. So, that's right. like going to Nashville every two days. Yeah. Yeah. It's fun. Yeah. Um, But it allows me a lot of time to do podcasts during the week on a Wednesday at 11 a.m. like this. Right. Sessions with bands around the world because a lot of touring bands can't just do it when it works for you. They might be able to do it at 1 p.m. on a Monday. Mm-hmm. Everyone else is at work. Well, work is here. Yeah. So, and then when I do here, I get to bring there and both worlds completely connect. That's cool. A lot of my projects and what I do here, I bring there, work with students on it and vice versa. So, yeah. Yeah. The whole thing is one big world, but going through academia for undergrad and a graduate degree and then teaching at a university and then being in the art world and talking with artists about going to school for these things, mm-hmm. it's a very, it's tricky. Yeah. I have many, like, places. I, I have, like, three rules of why someone should or should not go to school for something in the arts. Right. And the first rule is you're either, you're rich. Mm-hmm. If you're rich, you can go ahead. Go. Go ahead. You're rich. Mm-hmm. You, no student loans. No, you don't have to worry about money. You don't have right. to worry about getting a job because you're rich. Mm-hmm. That's not most people, but there are some people. Go, All right, cool. You're rich. Second one is you have deep connections into some industry, a little bit of nepotism sprinkled in there. Sure. Like your aunt, your uncle, your dad, it's like as soon as you get the degree, we will, you will get a job. We'll, mm-hmm. We got you. That's the second reason why you, sh- you can go to art school. And then the third one is you have no money, no nepotism. You're just unbelievably talented. You know it. Everyone has been telling you forever. You have a massive portfolio. You've been doing the work. You know that with that and the education, you will get a job. Uh-huh. And that's where I went, why I went. Yeah. Not that I had that confidence, but I was like, I've been doing a lot. I was doing uh-huh. all this stuff already while going to school, whereas most of my peers were doing nothing. Mm-hmm. They were just going to school. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I'm, I'm running a festival, a studio. I'm in bands. I have a podcast. I have sessions. I record bands. I've traveled and done it. Yeah. And I'm getting a graduate degree. Right. So it's like I'm, I'm confident that I can get a job in my field with this degree mm-hmm. super big risky thing to like go to the art institute of chicago for an mfa when you have no money right it was it's not i do not recommend it for really yeah. anybody <laughs> right <laughs> unless you're the first two yeah and so when i have students now that ask me like should i go to this school or that school for graduate school i'm like all right let's lay out ben's three rules yeah you got a lot of money no you got hookups no 
you got a massive body portfolio, been working on your whole adult life, mm-hmm. and you're just immersed in that world, and you have connections, and you know people, and you've been working mm-hmm. at it. If they say no, not really, then I go, I, I wouldn't oh, do I it. Think you, sh- you think shouldn't you should go hundred and fifty thousand, hundred and fifty thousand dollars in debt for an art degree. Right. You just shouldn't. You'll be better off doing it the other way. Yeah. Um, now, if you want to do art and go to college or something different that can give you some stability, yeah, that's a different conversation. But I'm right. just talking strictly like BFA, MFA. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I'm grateful that I didn't go because you didn't need to. I yeah <laughs> yeah I think now the artist statement thing you would have learned that a long time ago. Oh well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I and I I can write. I'm a I'm not to like I'm not tooting my own horn, but I am a good writer. Yeah, and I am more than capable of writing an artist statement. I just in my principles <laughs> don't believe I should have to. Yeah, I and get don't it. think like as a the, the way I make my art. The lack of an artist statement is part of my. Artist. Such an artist thing to do. So, <laughs> listen, I believe I don't have to. And as part of being an artist, it is my creative decision to not do it. It is. Exactly. <laughs> Such an artist thing and I say. will do it, you know, if someone's like, but I, I Hey, just we want to buy your painting for $10,000. We need an artist. And you're like, yeah. oh, I, it's done already. Here oh, <laughs> well, it's so funny because I, I made a large sale and the guy I, he, that bought it, um, a really lovely man... Um, who's been buying art for a long time. And his partner was like a little concerned because I work with a lot of nudes. And she was kind of like, well, is it like someone overtly comes in, sexual? Like you paint someone's nude? No, no. I, I just work, like a lot of my paintings, if I'm doing a full body, it's nude. You know, oh, like I, see, I, I don't see. like paint clothes very often. Okay. Um, and his partner was like, you know, a little concerned, thinking it might be overtly sexual. He was like, can you please tell me a little bit about the painting? And I was like, well, <laughs> and so I, I wrote this big thing. And I was like, I mentioned the Vladimir Nabokov essay. And I was like, I don't think that my thoughts on the painting should necessarily affect, like, whether or not you want to climb the mountain with me. I think just the mountain itself should be enough because you're I don't want to influence your journey with it. And I also mentioned you've you probably know it if you have been in a BFA and MFA but Susan Sontag's Against Interpretation mm-hmm. essay which I adore and it's so dense and I'll read it here and there and I always find something new but it's like essentially more advocating for an erotics of art, like really being with it and being having your senses be with art, whether it's film, music, painting, sculpture, anything, um, really like letting it kind of affect you, roll over you, advocating for less of layers of meaning and looking for that and researching that and coding in work and more so just like letting it be an experience, an erotic experience, not sexually, but like just in the sensual term or context, I guess. Um, I mentioned that essay and then I just said, I don't think, you know, that I should have to tell you all about what this painting means to me. And that being said, here is like a little insight into me looking at it. Like this is what mm-hmm. I'm thinking when I'm looking at it. But please don't let that influence 
you looking at it Mm -hmm. very much. Like, don't reread this over and over looking at the painting. Like, please just be with the painting, you know, if you decide to buy it. And he was so stoked. He was like, I, oh my gosh, like, it hurt me to ask you, like, because I really don't like to ask artists about their work. Like, I want to just, like, love it for what it gives to me. Wor- like worrisome about it. Like why? I ask? think just because. So it it was a a painting with four figures. Two of them are these kind of like otherworldly, like spray paint and oil paint figures that really don't look. They look like humanoid almost. Um, and then two are in like very like fleshy, human forms. But it's kind of this. Um, they're both nude. And the two orange ones and then the two blue ones are kind of like interacting with them but both of the human more human forms are like they look pained or like despondent a little bit nervous um and then the blue figures are kind of like anchors almost in my mind mm-hmm. but I can see how it would look like a little bit uh sexual I guess hmm. not like sexual but you don't know you know like yeah. un- like I guess normies wouldn't know they're like well <laughs> I see boobs so like how am I, what, well, what's going on what here what makes someone a normie I don't know gosh I don't know because I'm hard. not one <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what they have what do you mean not one <laughs> you're one person away from being a normie you're, one more and you, you actually are a normie oh my gosh really no <laughs> Which one? <laughs> Which uh, one? I think do it's I have? the eyebrow. I think it's it's dude. <laughs> I love my eyebrow. I forget that I have my eyebrow piercing actually. My favorite thing to my my friend Trevor and I always joke about this. When you like think you're talking to someone who's gonna be like dull and air quotes normie, I don't mm-hmm. know, it's a goofy word, but and they end up like surprising you. Uh-huh. And they're like, they know all and you're like, wait, what? How why do you look and act and dress and f- smell and feel this way, yet you're like this? Like, why mm-hmm. are you doing this to yourself? Yeah. There's a facade you're putting on. Why? Why? Uh-huh. It's like you're not leaning into yourself. Like, you you have the knowledge that would make someone think you're not what, what we'd call a normie, but yeah. everything else about you screams it. Well, I like that. I kind of like, like that? that because— Hide in plain sight? Yeah, because— I mean, I, 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 I like to think that most of the time I give people a fair go, you know, um, like regardless of what they look like. I'm like, you could be fucking weird, <laughs> you know. Um, and there's this – I watch a lot of RuPaul dra- RuPaul's Drag Race. That's uh, – RuPaul. RuPaul? Oh, my God. You don't know RuPaul? No. Ben! Who's, who is this? RuPaul. Oh, say the word separate. Ru? Ru, are you? Paul. Paul. Okay, I just said RuPaul. Like one word. RuPaul. Like Nepal. RuPaul. RuPaul. RuPaul's Drag Race. Drag queens competing to be the next drag superstar. Oh, I thought you were talking about car racing. Oh, no, 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 no. Okay. Very big. <laughs> I was like, she watches American Idol and drag racing. No, oh, no, no, Very no. Not, not the cars. Not like F1 or something. But um, <laughs> um, I, I don't even know if that's the same thing. But that's it's not the same. I love F1, but it's not the same Okay, thing. got it. Um. <laughs> So, no, it's, like, drag queens competing, yeah, to be America's next drag superstar. How does that work? It's so cool. How do you compete? Um, They have challenges, and then they have runways, and then one person goes home every quite, week. Quite subjective. Like, what's the... Yes. What are the, how, do and, you, how do you quantify? I mean, yes, I guess everything is subjective in, like, those shows. In but that kind of way, yeah. RuPaul is... 
a goddess queen. Like, she's been a drag queen forever. Super creative, super well-respected person. Also sober, which is interesting. Been sober for, like, 30 years, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, And, yeah, it's just this show where, like, they pick all of these drag queens that are kind of, like, up-and-coming and then they all compete against each other every week in like weekly challenges, and then somebody wins. <coughs> That's fascinating. What what channel is this on? Um, I think it's technically MTV. Oh wow, I forgot about MTV. <laughs> but there's it's been going on for. I never watched that before. 13, 14 seasons. I'm very naive of, of the drag world. Very naive of 15 it. years. 15 years, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's great. It's amazing. Anyways, the reason I brought that up was because Rue says you're born and then the rest is drag. Because it's true. What does that mean? The rest is drag. You know, you're born, you're naked, you're you're just a freaking human. And then... Ever, ever, like, from then on, like, you are dressing in drag, like, for whatever Mm. image you want to portray. Drag Um, in the sense of not, like, what we would consider drag, how someone would wear another type of clothes of, like, a different Yeah, oh, yeah, not, like, not, like, cross-dressing or anything. Right, right. But, like, um, you know, I, I have all of my tattoos and my piercings and my amoeba music um, shirt today and it's giving something it's giving I guess like an alternative person I don't necessarily wake up and I'm like I'm gonna dress very alternative today you know <laughs> but like sometimes that's like a way I express myself but anyways like there are people that you never really know you never yeah. really know what's going on inside them I know that when I walk up to tables in Reno Sometimes they see me coming and they're like, oh, God, she's going to be disrespectful. She's going to be weird. She's probably really? vegan. She probably <laughs> is non-binary. They're, they might be non-binary. Like, you know, whatever. I get that all the you time. You keep such a straight face for the funny things you say. Oh, it, but it's true. I'm You're like deadly serious. Deadly serious. And then I you walk up and I'm comedian. extremely polite. <laughs> I have a, I, I would love to be a stand-up You'd comedian. You'd make a good one because you, have, you have such a good deadpan face when you're saying funny stuff. Well, and I also I also have, like, lots of weird little things I do with, like, with... Uh, Your hands? Deadpan. Deadpan face. I don't know. You're I very, do, like, little, you, like... you got a lot of going on here. You know, like, funny little things. Wait, let's go back to what they think you're. So they think you're Anyways, vegan. They think vegan, you're stuck alternative. up. Alternative. Um, hipster. Tattoo, non-binary. Non-binary. I get... I, a lot of people begin to um, say... Oh, they them? Uh-huh. And I'm like, no, actually I love being a woman. I'm she her all the way and like it's just funny to me that people assume they like a lot of people it. assume I'm gay, like like full You're gay. Not gay. Um <laughs> I would I would say I'm I'm queer, but you know why why do you say that? Do you know the bell hooks qu- quote about being queer? Like kind of it's like in your heart being um it's not against. It's being maybe it is against. Hmm. It's a bell hooks quote. Let me look it up. Can I look it up? Yeah, yeah. Okay, one second. Bell hooks. Bell hooks. Bell hooks. About being quote queer. About being queer. I think queer goes deeper than your sexuality. Ah. Um. Interesting. Come on. 
I got something up about puppies. Here it is. Um, queer as not being about who you're having sex with. That can be a dimension of it, but queer as being about the self that is at odds with everything around it and hmm. has to. Well, if that's what that, Where if that's a definition of it. Oh my gosh, of course. Yeah, okay. Queer as not being about who you're having sex with. That can be a, a dimension of it, but queer as being about the self that is at odds with everything around it and has to invent and create and find a place to speak and to thrive and to live. Interesting. So it's almost like, because that, that feels, I like that, and it, and it can be true in one camp, but then if you're talking mm-hmm. about like the LGBTQ plus world, then that's not quite the same queer, because they're talking more about sexual... I think orientations and and beliefs and and experience. I mean, I think yes, that's where like those right. those. I mean, that's where like that acronym and sure. like those labels come from because we're so obsessed with labels. Um, and like I don't I don't like any. I don't like labels. Of the labels either. I'm like, do I enjoy you as a person? Are you nice? Uh huh. Are you pleasant? Are yeah. You, are you polite? Are you? Are you a good person? Right. Are you happy? Do you not harm anything? Right. I don't care. I could be blind, deaf, and dumb, and you could still hurt me, and you can be uh, a person who's of a uh, marginalized community. Uh-huh. To me, I it's just about like who you, you. are. It's about yeah. What's, and, and I've had, I've reckoned with that many, many, many moons ago, um, knowing, like, how, you know, insignificant we are, mm-hmm. how easy it is that we could just die, reckoning with... My mortality at a young age because I had a, a surgery when I was a baby. So I've always, like, known, like, oh, you could just die at any moment. It's, like, it's about the inside that counts. Right. Also feeling very ugly because of having scars or having to wear eye patches. As a kid, myself, I'm talking mm-hmm. about. And then seeing it in other people because I had to go to the hospital a lot and yeah. go to special wards of the hospital where a lot of kids had messed up things, cleft lips, bad eyes, mm-hmm. connected to another twin. Mm-hmm. But, like, you get to humanize them. Instead of, like, they're just weird things you see on the TV. Right. And so at a young age, I was like, oh, it's just about, it really is about what's inside. That right. Counts. Like, the, the, well, the adults of fairy tale lands are right. Way, that's a radical way of, like, looking at things if you think about it. Because I don't think that we're taught to, you know, go further than the book's cover yeah. a lot of the time. Or critically think or critically feel, you yeah. know. Um, and so I think that's, like radical or you could say queer in a sense sure i think in that definition at least like she says like it's a it could be a dimension of it who you're having sex with who you love how you love you know Mm -hmm. and there's just like your heart being at odds with the things around you being at Mm -hmm. odds with the world around and it gets truer every day you know we're we're like just freaking inundated with images with labels with coding with the way things, if you're this, then you can't be this and this, and you have to speak this way, and you have to right. be the spoken. Yeah, like why, it's, why, it's. Why are you so obsessed? Why are we so obsessed with it? I don't know. Why? Gosh, why? I mean, why? oh, you must be like well, I went on a date once, and the woman was like, "Oh, you're not straight. Like you're not fully straight." Uh huh. Matter one time, and I was like, "Why do you say that?" Wow. Well, well, who cares? But like, but also, does it matter? It doesn't matter. But like, I mean, I don't really care. But I'm, I'm certainly only ever been um, romantically and sexually attracted to a woman. So, I don't know. 
I don't know why. Like, I'm, yeah. it's not the first time I've heard that. I've been hearing yeah. that my whole life. Yeah. I've been hearing that I'm, you know, asexual and gay and everything forever, yeah. you know? So I have a couple friends that are like that too. And I'm like, I think it's just maybe the way we dress, our uh-huh. tendencies. I have a lot of female friends, right. which is not very common for a lot of heterosexual um, men. Just mm-hmm. not as common, but I have so many. I've always had a lot of female friends. Yeah. Um, and that's probably a big one too. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I don't know. And I think that's like going back to like the drag quote. It's like, you know, you are bent in whatever way you are, which is, you know, like how a bunch of other people perceive gay or metro or, you know, weird or whatever, you know, all of these things that you just listed. Yeah. Um, and it's just Ben, yeah. you know? And I think, like, it's your drag. It's, yeah, you know, if you stripped that all away, that's taking away a part of you. Sure. You know? And then there's also the inside. But I think sometimes, like, the drag or, like, the things that we put ourselves in and make ourselves look like it just enhances like what we have on the inside yeah um or complicates it or you know whatever accentuates it yeah maybe there's some explaining too yeah sometimes so much about who you are can just be explained by the way you are being like how you look but sometimes mm-hmm. it, the they can generalize in the wrong way like how they said like oh they them yeah this and that oh you must yeah. she must be well and people you know, are always taken aback because i I know I, I'm extremely polite. You know, I'm, you are very I've polite. I was well. I I, tr- I it's not. I try to be. I was raised to be polite. I'm myself too. Polite, <laughs> and yeah. it's just the way that I was brought up. I'm very grateful for it, and I speak well most of the time. <laughs> um, and people don't always, I think, expect me to be a polite, articulate person as a server in a restaurant who has an eyebrow piercing, you know, and neck <laughs> tattoos. Um, I, I really don't, you know, and I think, you know, like my mom, when I started getting tattoos, she was worried that, um, well, why do you have to put those things on your body? Why do you have to have holes in your face, Claire? You know, well, I like them there. It makes me feel beautiful. Okay, but what other people are going to think? You're never going to get a job. You're never going to this and that, right? And... She was like unknowingly just, I mean, or knowingly realizing, well, this thing that you're, the things that you're putting in your body (laughs) or putting your body in or putting through your body, you know, are going to um, influence the way people look at you. And it's true. It is true. But also I think the things that are on the inside of me that are really important um, are, they shine through, you know. Yes. There's also like, like. At the restaurant again. I love kids. I want to be a mom like really bad. <gasps> and you heard it here first. Yeah, <laughs> I love kids. Just announced. Love kids. And so many times, parents are like, "Wow, thank you so much for like just being like talking to my kid like human," you know. And I don't know if it's that they don't expect me to. I think that's true because a lot of people like if you don't like kids, you know, you're just gonna kind of ignore them or talk to them like they're a baby or like they're don't understand anything you're saying you mm-hmm. know and like I generally just talk to kids like they're a 
whole ass human, which they are. And I think parents really appreciate that. Mm-hmm. And kids definitely appreciate that. And it's just something that like I don't think a lot of people expect when I walk up to their table and then they're pleasantly surprised. And I'm like, yeah, you know, I hope that I'm changing your perception of like when you see somebody like – that looks like me walking down the street, like they might not be a shithead, yeah. <laughs> you know, like because yeah. <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> it takes a lot for some people to like undo that wiring of a stereotype. Yeah, yeah. And I don't do it very often mm-hmm. because I, I have you're right here, and you're not the first one to be right here. And I've I've been interacting with and working with so many artists that look every way. I've seen what every human being can be and uh-huh. look like at this point. And one thing I learned is like you you cannot judge a book by its cover. Right. It's a, it's a cheesy old saying, but it's very true. Yeah. And the more individuals you meet, work with, interact with, perform with, have fun with, you realize like it's so true. Yeah. You just can't. And a lot of people aren't in tune with that or they're not educated on it. They haven't dove into different peoples, different ethnicities, different religions enough to mm-hmm. realize that. But there's been so many times where I had to, like, play the game. I had to do something very important. So, like, shave, cut my hair, put on nice clothes, mm-hmm. you know, clean up really well because of the way I'm going to be perceived in what I'm doing. Yeah. Um, like, for the festival in 2016, the first year I did two days, 40 bands. Mm-hmm. The police had to shut it down Oh. two days before. Yeah. So I had to go talk to – go to City Hall and talk to the mayor and talk yeah. to the police and I looked one way, and I was aware of that long, curly hair, just a yeah. mask, never combed it, big, thick beard, never combed yeah. it. It was just, I looked like how I felt comfortable. Yeah. But I was like, if I'm going to talk to the city and to police and to the mayor, and I have to represent what I'm trying to do here, mm-hmm. I'm going to have to look more presentable. So, uh-huh. like, I had my friend come over, she cut my hair, I turned, uh-huh. cut rid of my beard, you know, cleaned up, put on nicer clothes, mm-hmm. and went and talked to them. Ended up worked. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if I needed to do that, but mm-hmm. the festival happened and we it ended helped. up. We, it definitely helped. Mm-hmm. It also just, I think what it might show to people in that world, like a sense of responsibility. Like I'm trying my uh-huh. best to represent this in the most pure and clean way. I care a lot about it so much so that I'll clean up and like, yeah. do this. You know? Yeah. And um, yeah, I mean, in some ways, someone like your mom Every mom has had to say this to their kids. Oh, yeah. In some ways, they're 100% right. And other ways, they're 90% wrong. Yeah. You know, it's just finding a middle ground. I mean, she's not wrong. People are going to judge you. Right. Not everyone, but some people, and they might be important people, they might be a gatekeeper for Uh your future, might judge you because of the way you look. Yeah. And then, but where she might be a little wrong is there might be some people that appreciate the way you look, and that actually might be a benefit to you. Yeah, or look past it. Or look right know? past it, right in the middle, right and past it. And that's the thing, like, in, in my work, you know, just because I have, there's, like, boobs in my work, you know, or nudes or a penis, you know, mm-hmm. it doesn't mean it's about sex. Yeah. You know, looking past it. Like, it's not sexualized, it's just human. Yeah. Um, Or, like, you know, with my tattoos, people don't think, like, you know, I feel really beautiful with my tattoos. I get them because I have had body issues, body image issues, and I like how my body looks better this way, you mm-hmm. know? Um, it makes me want to love it more. I think looking at other people's art on my body is like 
it's a really healing experience. Like for me to get tattooed, it's a little painful, but it's healing. <laughs> they like, look painful. I love it. Yeah. They're all over. Yeah. Yeah. For the, I mean, I'm still getting them and it. stuff, but yeah, I have them all, They're all here, the here, hips, legs. How many do you know? No. A <laughs> hundred? No, not a hundred. <laughs> I would be a lot. I mean, they're usually bigger ones. So oh, okay. maybe if I get smaller ones, I could when get a hundred. When did you 100. start? Uh, I think 18. Yeah, 18. Because mm. my mom would have never gone, gone with me, yeah, to get a tattoo. I have zero tattoos. Really? Isn't that crazy? Yeah. yeah. I've been well, around in my whole life, never had any. People always think, people, I'm like, now it's the most punk thing you can do not to have tattoos. Right? <laughs> no piercing, no tattoos. Yeah. I'm a scar guy. Okay. I got so many scars. Yeah. I was a tough cat growing up. Yeah. You know, adventurous, and I've been beaten to hell by my adventurous endeavors, uh-huh. scars everywhere, so many wounds. I've been hurt so many times <laughs> that now I have like a fear of getting hurt. Yeah. It's like tortured me because yeah. I hospitalized. I mean, I have, I was extreme kid. I mean, it's where I got my ability and mindset of pulling off the fest for mm-hmm. so long. It was like, I applied that extreme ethos and I just applied it to like, I'm going to build these stages. I'm mm-hmm. going to build these tents. I'm going to plan this out. I'm going to climb trees and hang up tarps and, like, get wild. That's cool. Yeah, it was like a carnival. It was like setting up a carnival. But, yeah, longboarding, wakeboarding, snow skiing, water skiing, climbing, blowing up stuff. See, I would have never pegged you for that. Wild. I mean, You would have never pegged me for American Idol. I would have never pegged you for a snowboarder. All of it. All (laughs) of it. All of it. Just growing up doing just extreme stuff in any Uh way I could. Oh, that tree looks, we can tie a rope to that tree and swing off this hill and jump into the sand pit. Like, mm-hmm. just whatever was wild in that moment, mm-hmm. I was the person that would, like, lead the way. want to do it, yeah. You get hurt a lot. I've broken a lot of bones. Um, So now that I've got my scars and everything, I'm like, I don't ever want to get hurt. Like, I'm so cautious now to not oh. get hurt. Like, hot water, I'm like, ah, oh. <laughs> like, I'm washing dishes and everyone makes them. Like, what are you doing? I'm like, it's just hot. I wear gloves if I work out. It's like, I don't want calluses. Oh, my, my god! Everyone makes fun of me. Like, you have soft hands. It's like, yeah, well, people like soft I hands like when them. you shake them. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm I shaking like hands them. now. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not trying to, like, have rough, beat-up hands, but <laughs> I'm just so cautious now because I, I learned so much. And I also saw people who got older that lived that life of either, like, physical blue-collar work, which I did a lot of, mm-hmm. uh, which – is amazing, but it's just not for me anymore. Yeah. Or extreme stuff. Mm-hmm. And I saw the way they were, their bodies, smoking, drinking, everything, when you do it for mm-hmm. 40, 50 years. Yeah. They're all a mess. Across the board, right. they're all a mess. There's no one who's just sitting pretty comfortable at 95 years old. It's like, no. In fact, the only way you, re- only way you really get to 95 years old is by doing none of those things. Yeah, right. And by the way, it's what they don't tell you. Right. Yeah, those who live to 100, uh, what are they called, sentients? The people who lived on something like that. Yeah. I forget the word, but aside from a genetic uh, gift. Predisposition. They just yeah. have a genetic gift. Mm-hmm. Uh, they they did a lot of, of the right things in life. Yeah. You know? Yeah. A lot of right food choices, drinking choices, adventurous choices. I think it's good to be adventurous, but you got to be, make sure you don't go too far to where mm-hmm. you can suscept your, be susceptible to accidents like yeah. rocks falling and this and that. Yeah. Yeah. So tattoos are kind of a – it's funny. A lot of people I know who get tattoos are not 
like the toughest people at all. Yeah. Oh no. They're like they do don't do anything extreme, but they yeah. just get like tattoos, and yeah. it's so funny to me because they're lo- such painful things, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's I never got one, but it's been described. It depends for me. For you, I've fallen asleep during a tattoo, really? but also like I, but I have a high pain threshold. I think. Yeah. And but then sometimes like. It's the wrong day. It hits the wrong nerve. It's horrible. What has been know? the worst one in your memory as far as pain? Um, I think – I still think my calf. Calf? Yeah. I mean I've heard – It's a weird one. Everybody say different stuff. Yeah. I had a friend once that was getting a tattoo on his kneecap and he, he had to stop. He couldn't finish I it. I heard it was – that's a bad – and my cousin actually he was getting a tattoo in his kneecap. He had to stop because he said it was. That's what it was. My cousin was getting a tattoo in his kneecap. Had to stop. It was the Homer Simpson four finger hand. You know. Yeah. Hand. Yeah. And he stopped, so he didn't finish. It's like three and a half fingers. Mm-hmm. You know. And then my <laughs> other friend was making fun of him. He's a tough tattoo kind of person. So he ended up getting in the same spot on his own kneecap, mm-hmm. like his, to make fun of the other person. Shit's weak. Like on his kneecap, just to like poke fun at. Yeah. Him. And I watched him get that tattoo, and it it looked a. Uh, pretty rough yeah yeah Yeah. it's rough kneecap i mean we're talking skin into bone Mm -hmm. there's no muscle or fat Mm -hmm. just skin bone yeah which has got to be awful Mm -hmm. i don't know i i've just been i've been cut open i've been beat my scars my i don't need i don't want it yeah i express myself in other ways but i love it i love tattoos i love it on people i love tattoo artists some of the coolest things I've ever seen created have been tattoos on people. Oh yeah, I love them. You I know, think they're really special. They're they're very special because they're a short-lived expression. Yeah, they're there for the, the duration of your life. Yeah, it's not a piece of canvas. Like your artwork could be in a museum in five hundred years behind sure. three inches of glass. Mm-hmm. You're like, yeah, I know, five hundred million. <laughs> there was uh, five hundred thousand million bitcoins. I know. An oh NTF, my gosh, I hope I NFT never sell for bitcoin of, of my. Oh, it's going to happen. I'm going to have an NFT copy of it for a billion dollars. Absolutely not. An original. Never. Um, do you have an artist name you could buy? Like a, a, a saying? Or a I say beware art. Beware art? Yeah. So when I was in eighth grade and I got an Instagram and I named it Beware of the Claire. You got, so at 14 you got an Instagram? 13 maybe. 13, wow. I think 13. What does it do to you to have an Instagram at 13? I don't know. Probably you like that. a lot. Probably well with the labeling stuff. I think that I think the way capitalism operates and like the way um, advertisements and images work in capitalism, it's changed the way we look at images. A hundred percent. And that is why we're so obsessed with meaning labeling. I say coding a lot because like visual coding. Mm-hmm. Or auditory, audible coding, I think, is a thing as well. Um, The way we, like, representational, how we dress, how, Mm -hmm. you know, my skin looks, how my face looks, you know, makeup, whatever. That is coding to an extent. It's why when I dress, I try not to ever wear, with as much as I can, uh, branding. Yeah. If I have something, I try not to have any emblem label branding because... Uh What, when you said uh, coding, branding, images, I think of the show Mad Men. I was uh-huh. a big fan of that show. I'm not sure yeah, if you watched it. Yeah, yeah. I, I was uh, – I'll, I'll go back briefly on it. I was very aware, uh-huh. self-aware of this stuff. Always been in philosophy and always been into just thinking and trying to understand, you know, unveil 
things. And about 15, 16 years old, I really got sick and tired of pop culture. And this is pre this 2005. Mm-hmm. So I got tired of social media, not social media, pop culture. I was on MySpace. I guess I was tired of MySpace. Yeah. And advertisement and how much money everyone was making off of stuff, people who are acting, doing a hobby, mm-hmm. some of the highest paid things, sports and the high-end music industry and acting. They're all essentially doing hobbies. To people who just have to work every day and don't have to do that, they're doing hobbies and they're millionaires. Mm-hmm. So I, I, my sympathy for them falls tremendously. Mm-hmm. A lot. Not saying that what they don't do isn't important because it is. Yeah. It's just they're overpaid, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Um, anybody who does anything and they get millions is just overpaid. Yeah. Like, and you can't say that they work really hard, but it's like I know people who work 100 hours a week and they make 50 grand a year. Yeah. So don't talk to right. me about that. Right. We're talking about like my dad here was like that kind of guy. Uh-huh. So it's, that's a terrible excuse. Anyway, got sick and tired of it, went off the grid. That's when I built, you know, the DZ, my cabin. I just yeah. wanted to, like, hide away and make artwork. Stopped paying attention to, like, society for like, five or six years. Uh-huh. Then started watching the show Mad Men, <laughs> yeah. which is all about advertising. <laughs> yeah. Further giving me, like, this education on advertisement, but also was done so well on how realistic it was yeah. expressing advertisement in the 60s, but it's hold true to this day. Yeah. It's just gotten, technology's gotten involved. Mm-hmm. And it made me so disturbed and disgusted by advertising. And now I'm even more annoyed with it, but it's all over Instagram, all over my YouTube channel, all over everything I do. There's yeah. advertisements everywhere. And I don't know what to do about it. It's, it's, it's everything. It's how they make their money. Well, I think that's why I make art because it's not an advertisement. It's not coded. It's, I think, subversive to that visual code that we've gotten ingrained in our little brains. You know, um, I think making art that is authentic and is from an like very individual and honest perspective can be radically opposed to advertisements you know Mm -hmm. and like the the agenda like capitalism's agenda um because it asks you to do something that we're not asked to do very often anymore which is just like you know critically thinking and feeling and having some kind of introspection you know when you see an image or hear a song or read a piece of poetry, um, see a a performance art piece, you know, it like people don't understand it because like, what's the point, you know, like code codes in advertisements, they always have a point. It's by this, it's, you're not this. So be this it's, you know, um, think about this. So you're going to have to buy that or go here for you know like whatever there's a point there's a destination where like art I don't think has I hope it doesn't have that I I think like I like it to be more of a space that you can inhabit for a second and look around and immerse yourself in and explore and like think and 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 maybe discover something that you didn't know but you're not really – it's not asking you to go anywhere with it. It's just asking mm. you to be with it. And that's not something that we 
are really asked to do anymore. It's like accumulate, accumulate, accumulate. And it's always like images just like have different ways of telling you to do that. And all of these various with all of these like various hooks or I don't know. And it's so sad because it's like, what? well, why can't we just stay in one place for a second? You know, mm-hmm. you do have everything that you need probably yeah like you know i have to tell myself don't don't buy anything because you i have more than enough i have so much clothes right and so that's why i think art like is that's a it's a good way to come combat that you know but there's this little turning point where it turns back into corporate yeah and i love it and it's no slight against places like Massive museums, the Met, the Gala, the Louvre, the Art Institute of Chicago. Mm-hmm. Amazing places, but if you strip away the fact that there's nothing around but white with artwork, yeah. it's very corporate. Uh-huh. We're talking about million, billions of dollars in art. Right. That's the most corporate thing I've ever heard. Right. So it's like where you and I are, maybe a little bit further. Uh-huh. Yes, I agree with you. But then it goes to this place where it's like, Right. Are these just a bunch of rich people laundering money through artwork? Right. Is that what's yes. happening right now? Is yes. that what's going on? Yes. It is, right? It is. So what is that? Because it's just like, it's like the inverse. It's like the upside down mm-hmm. of corporate finance tech world. Mm-hmm. It's like the upside down of it. It's the inverse of it. But it's still there because there's just as much money right. and fame and prestige and come to the art institute. We have this new exhibit of and bring us your money. Yeah. So we can use it yeah. to siphon it through our paintings that right. are just inanimate objects sitting on a wall that we bestowed value upon. Mm-hmm. I don't know how I feel about it. I get a, after being amongst it so much and having these conversations, I'm like, I don't know when we get to that point there's and what to do about of, it. There's reckoning for sure. Because those are just advertisements. You look at yeah. the Starry Night. It's posters sold at a Hot oh, Rags or a Target. Oh, my gosh, yeah. You, you know, Picasso, the, the weeping guitarist. Like, these end up being cultural, mm-hmm. iconic, and, and that the artists themselves never saw that right. money. They never saw the fame from it. Right. Most didn't. So, yeah, like, I, when I, I went to Mexico City recently, and I went to where Frida's house was mm-hmm. and her museum. And they just took this amazing home, and it's just, like, this massive museum. And mm-hmm. it's like, she hasn't been around for decades. Like, right. Who reaps the benefits yeah. from what she did? And her art's been turned into like this pop culture phenomenon. I, Kurt Cobain Nirvana is another great example. Uh-huh. That man who hated all of it, killed himself <sighs> probably because of it, mm-hmm. or at least it's part of the reason why. Mm-hmm. We'll never know. Ends up being on posters and T-shirts at Walmart and Target and Hot Topic. Mm-hmm. And his records and now this new remastered edition and it's more money that isn't going to him and the whole thing i'm like oh this guy would hate it like now that i've gone way beyond his age and have been of the world that he occupied and even have been fortunate enough to work with and talk with people that knew him yeah like it's Mm -hmm. crazy you're like oh yeah this person he didn't want any of that no he hated it he he played the guitars he played weren't nice he played them because they were cheap and crappy better mustangs he didn't buy nice guitars right he didn't have nice clothes. He just became a millionaire overnight because, right. you know, smells like teen spirit. Right. And he just wanted to do the craft to make the art. That's what people resonate mm-hmm. with. But then he's turned into like this cultural entity of just like the, the smiley face, yellow, mm-hmm. you know, cross-eyed mm-hmm. shirt. Yeah. It's everywhere. It's all over the place, mm-hmm. you know, stickers and T-shirts. Yeah, you go to like these corny stores, these 
Targets and Walmarts, and there's like Nirvana stuff. Yeah, I'm like this makes yeah. This is so not grunge and right. like counterculture and new wave. It's not any of that. It's not. No, <laughs> it's so funny. Yeah, and I don't know. I don't know what to do like about it because eventually art can go into that corporate world. It could be sold and right. made profit from. Right, it happens often. Very, 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 very often. Yeah, it's like what what would you do if someone if you had a gallery, right, and you, you had an exhibition, rather, at a gallery, mm-hmm. and you're selling paintings, goes well. Someone's like, hey, we'd like to have your paintings at this bigger one, maybe New York. Mm-hmm. So, well, you go, okay, sure. Mm-hmm. So now you go to New York, and it's in, you know, Upper East Side. It's bougie as hell. Mm-hmm. You know, you're like, oh, do I even fit in here? And somehow your paintings are selling for, like, $50,000. Uh-huh. And you're like, what the heck? People are buying them because, right. man, it looks good in their foyer. And... <laughs> I like the way this penis looks. Yeah. Above my, <laughs> above my shoes in my foyer. And then they go like, hey, we were wondering if we could like print and make copies of this. So we want to have it in the new on the new t-shirt for like Gucci, New York or something. Mm-hmm. And we're willing to give you like 3% of the royalties for all of its sales plus like a million dollars. You get a yeah. million dollars and then 3% of everything we sell with it. What do you do? Well, that's see, that's so interesting because that stuff happens. It, it does. literally happens to people well, every day, right? And um, did you see the movie Air? Um, I want to. Yeah. So you saw it. Yeah, Eric and I went to go see it. It looked. It looks interesting. It is, and I didn't realize that that was the first time an athlete's family got a cut mm-hmm. of every shoe sale. Yep. Every shoe Well, there's sale. a reason why Michael Jordan's a billionaire. Well, right. No, and I didn't realize that was the first time, though. And I think, like, I mean, I don't know enough about it, and I don't – I haven't spoken – I don't think about it enough, you know, like, to answer this question perfectly. But I think if there's a way – maybe not for it to be funneling to me, but to be funneling to, like, specific – causes you know right so a good or, middle ground could be maybe out of that three percent you go i'll take one percent and then the two percent i'll i'll start a foundation right for exactly artists who need see right that's what makes people like you and i much different but is the foundation you can do thing. something with it right and so back to my i was a humanitarian studies major i wrote my thesis basically about um, I was really interested in, like, recovery post-conflict in developing countries, um, specifically, like, sub-Saharan Africa. And I wrote my thesis about what happened in Sierra Leone. And I, like, basically kind of um, compared international plane recovery efforts, justice efforts, reconciliation efforts, peace efforts with on-the-ground ones. And a lot of the times, almost 100% of the time, on-the-ground less um, bureaucratic in nature efforts, all of these like grassroots efforts, initiatives, do much more good and foster much more healing and peace and actual prosperity in communities than do these like ICC um, grand like tribunals that are happening um, to kind of, appease the world Mm -hmm. rather than help the community that's gone through um, the trauma. Mm -hmm. And so, like, that's, I mean, 
it doesn't really like matter because I don't have foundation. But like I would probably not give it to like make a foundation unless it were a kind of like foundation that gave um like unrestricted grants or like unrestricted like cash. Here's cash, you yeah, know, which is to never people that need it. Doesn't work you know? that way. Well, and that's something that happens in specific humanitarian efforts. It oh, doesn't really? happen often. Okay. But it does happen and it ends up going extremely well. Specifically when those cash grants or like just cash lump sums are administered by people from the community that uh, know when and who to give it to, to so yeah. that it can go the furthest and yeah. help the most. Not just a general. It's not a man. Yeah. It's not a man. It's a woman who is much more tied to the community, who knows that she has to feed her family and knows how to make the money go further. It's not. It's in a specific season where it's not harvest season. It's the time of, of drought. You know, there's like all know, of these yeah, specific, that's a really good like idea. contextualized. When you when you know the contextualization like better, um, when you know the ground better, the community better, the money can go farther. And yeah. unfortunately, like nonprofits, it's just like funneling money at causes, and they don't know how to give it to people. And They're they not don't the right know, people for it. Right, <clears throat> exactly. It has to be from people from the community. It has to be a national staff if we're like international, you know. You shook a nerve with what you just said. Oh, good. <laughs> in a weird way, this I don't know how this is going to sound, but I'm just going to say it. In a weird way, I feel like that person for the music community. And I'm always like, with the fest, that's like what I'm trying to do. It's like I need to get the right investors because I'm the right. I'm the only person that knows what to properly do with this money. You know, I know because I've been living it absolutely through blood, sweat, and tears, and scars, and debt, and suffering for over a decade uh-huh. for and with and amongst the community and side by side. Yeah, like I'm, I'm on like boots on the ground next to my peers doing the thing, not mm-hmm. sitting in an office, not sitting on a private jet, not texting it. I'm doing it. Mm-hmm. So it's like if I can make this happen to the next level. I can do so much more with it right. than the like than anybody I've ever met. Period, mm-hmm. because I I know it through and through. So yeah, I agree. That's a really wise thing. I agree with that. I wish more foundations did that. Right, they had someone in there, and it is very true. You're not going to change the world. I'm not going to change the world. Mm-hmm. A president's not going to. What you can do is the small incremental steps that are relative to your life and your community. Yeah, what you can do with your partner, with your friends, your art, your job. Local community service, like little things like that, will go way further. And like, I wanna, I wanna get rid of, I wanna have world peace and get rid of world hunger yeah. and racism. It's like, ain't gonna happen. Yeah, not, give your money happening. to somebody who knows how to help somebody with yes. it. You know, and do you? Can and sometimes it's not you. Yeah, sometimes it's not you. Like, I don't know where money has to go in specific neighborhoods in Chicago for it to go the furthest, you know? Mm -hmm. But I can probably go to that neighborhood and ask around, and someone would be able to point me to somebody who does. Yeah. And then giving it. Like, people have a really hard time handing over the reins, Mm -hmm. like, I think. And that's something that's also, like, a practice with art that I think a lot of artists... I hope a lot of artists practice is like, just like, okay, you're making the art and it's going, it's going. And then it, it, you don't have, you don't, you don't have any control over where it goes. 
you know, or like what people do with it or how people perceive it. Mm-hmm. And it's wrong to try and control that other than just making the work. Yeah. That's as far as you can go. I think it's an exercise in letting go. You're very wise, Claire. Thank you. For a, 20, for a 26-year-old. <laughs> I'm an old soul, I think. I am too. People have said that a lot No, you me. are. You know, the, the tattoos and piercings, very old school of you. Very, like, it's been going on forever. It's, uh, it makes, it keeps things interesting. And you have a nice uh, glow. Oh. Like, I can tell how authentic you're. In, Thank in, you. Um, how authentic your intentions are. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I try for that. I could sense it. I want to be an authentic person. I could feel that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Back at you. But, oh, thanks. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I try. I mean, I don't know any other way to live. It is quite difficult for me to not just be me. Yeah. And be myself, you know, and, and try to bring that out of others and, and, and illuminate that. And it's sad when you when people aren't living like that. It, seems it is. Like a, it feels like a weird prison to put yourself in you know i know how that feels yeah 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 seems like you figured out you found a formula you know or lack of a formula yeah (laughs) are you more of a controlled chaos type of person oh man i am a control freak like in a lot of aspects of my life but then also yes controlled (laughs) chaos like organized mess you know that kind of thing but i am definitely a control freak and so I'm like very particular about some stuff and then other stuff it's it there's no rhyme or reason to right. it but yeah isn't that weird we're all like that I'm like that too yeah friends be like why are you being like that I'm like instead of admitting like yeah I always deflect like well you do this and I think that's weird yeah so why you know which is true but it's like yeah everyone's got their weird quirks oh yeah and, like fine someone might be a total like clean freak germ freak but then they'll like you know eat like food in their Shit. bed yeah you're like mm-hmm. there's crumbs on the bed now yeah. I thought you were it's like oh, th- like it's fine and then you'll then do then whatever <laughs> it is <laughs> mental gymnastics yeah or yeah. they'll like wear the same clothes two days in a row but they're like germ freaks I'm like I don't understand it like yeah. little things mm-hmm. you know uh, yeah I've had, a, I've had a lot of roommates yeah I think in my whole lifetime if you count my family and friends I'm at about like 22 different roommates sure mm-hmm. it's ridiculous yeah and I don't know. It's given me a unique education on human, the human species. Yeah. I've never, like, I know people so well now. Uh-huh. Um, I certainly know what all the different sounds of sex can, what we can make with all the different <laughs> <laughs> All the different rhythms and patterns. There's a lot of polyrhythms. There's yes. a lot of monorhythms. There's a lot of complicated things going on uh-huh. there. It's wild. Yeah. Wild world out there. It is a wild world. <laughs> roommates you've had a lot of roommates yes i've had a lot of roommates you know what i'm talking about (laughs) in the last since i graduated from college i think i've moved 14 times what the heck like a lot of times why four oh because i'm a psycho three years ago four years ago 2018 five years ago five years ago in Mm -hmm. five years that's almost one three a year what do you ever hear of a one-year lease (laughs) wait where are you from originally brookfield Oh, mm-hmm. the zoo. Yeah. You were born in the zoo. I was. I thought I saw you when I was uh-huh. a kid. Yeah, they let me out. <laughs> they let you out? <laughs> Six years ago. Or did Arambe, did Arambe get you out? He helped you escape. <laughs> yes. I never, I, so I'm, I don't know a lot about pop culture because uh-huh. I live under a rock. And when the Arambe thing happened, I didn't get it. People kept talking about it and I was like, 
who's Arambe? Like, <laughs> who is this guy? And why is he carrying a child around the zoo? Yeah. I thought it was a person because they just kept describing it like it was a human. I also can't remember what. Like, I know that he was a gorilla, but I don't know what he did. They should have shot the kid. I don't know why they shot the gorilla. No, I'm just kidding. They shot a gorilla? I, per- I think that's the whole thing is the kid fell in. They couldn't get the kid out. Around by the gorilla, dragged the kid far, and then they ended up shooting him <gasps> to kill him to get the kid back. And I think they shot the wrong gorilla. The wrong primate. No, I'm <laughs> kidding. But Brookfield, I know very well. I used to, I have um, hung out in LaGrange tremendously. Okay. Um, one of the DZ Fest posters was in Allen Lark, which is a coffee shop in downtown LaGrange. Oh, cool. Yeah. One of my, my like first kind of girlfriend ever lived in Brookfield, right off of Elm and, yeah, you know, Elm. Uh-huh. Elm, so there's Ogden. It's a couple of blocks south of Ogden. So it was like Elm and Shields yeah. area. Yeah. Okay. Co- okay. Cosset, Shields. Yeah. Elm, yeah. Yes. Right yes. there. Yeah. What, which streets oh, were you by? Um, you know the, so the railroad tracks, the what? Hollywood Zoo stop? I think so. Um, if you're, are you by the, the crazy, metro? like six corner, eight corner area? Pretty close. Yeah. Okay. Maybe a mile away, a mile south. East. <clears throat> okay, and did you go to R&B or mm-hmm. Line Sound? R&B, yeah. Okay. Yeah. R&B is a good high school. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, it was a good one. Right next to the zoo. Literally yeah. right next My to the My brother lives over in Forest Park, so yeah. close there. Wow, okay, so you went there, grew up there, and then you went to New York for school? Yes. The Bronx? Yes. And then you lived there for four years, five years? Yes, four did years. Do you love it? Uh-uh. You didn't? <laughs> No, You're I love. You're the first it. person I ever met who was like New York. Mm-mm. Not for me. Not for you. My it destroyed my nerves. It's Why? just. It's <sighs> chaos. It's so much o- is going. It's on. so chaotic. Everybody is going somewhere. Everybody has an agenda. <laughs> yes. Everybody looks like they're going somewhere, yes. <laughs> and they want to know maybe where you're going. And it's you gotta so say this much for your to process. Because this is funny right now. Oh my gosh! Because you're so concerned, and it's so true. Like every I, every time I've gone there. Everyone really is going somewhere. Everyone looks like they've got something to do. And if you don't, you feel so small. You feel small. I have never been yelled at so many times in my life by people. I grew up in Chicago. Mm-hmm. I've grown up amongst major cities. I've yeah. been to a lot of them. They made me feel so stupid and small. They're just like, let's go. What are you doing? Move your car. And you're just like, whoa, yeah. hold on. Holy God. I yeah. just got here. Can I got yelled at like five times. Kiss kiss a puppy. Just have a puppy yeah. kiss. But a puppy. it's not like malicious. It's just part of when you're there, you realize like, oh, you have to live. Like this, this is how you have when to you be. When you throw ten there million people so on top of each other, so many people, so many, and it's it's just it's expensive. It's so expensive. and you know it did like <laughs> crack me in a certain way that like I'm grateful for because I never sang on the street before I lived in New York. Yeah, but I sing on the street. You sing now, unabashedly. Very loud. I sing and dance a lot too. Why not? Because I would walk past thirteen people a day who are just <laughs> fucking singing their Mi- hearts miserable. out. Yes, I like. I mean, crazy. So it was just a lot. It was too many things going on, too fast. So many people. Very Im- image oriented city. Like very much so. That it kind of freaked me out. Um, it's fun. I realize I go to New York to see people and not the city now. Mm. You know, there's I do know. specific places to eat, um, people f- to food, see. Yeah. I mean, the last time I went, I think most of the time, other than for my friend's birthday party, I was, 
like in friends' apartments hanging out with them. Yeah. Or like taking a walk through a park or something. Like I was not there to experience the city. I was there to like sit on the couch across from my friend and talk to them because they live in New York. I know. You know? I, I, I do know what you're saying. And that, that I, it's just not for me. Um, great food though. Great food. Great. Ton great, of great food. Ton of great food. Ton of great art. Great art. Uh, I go there for the music, art, and the people I've mm-hmm. met. And I'm excited to keep going there. I mean, it's a cool, it's like there were definitely a lot of bright spots. It's just too much for my my soul and my <laughs> nervous system. Yeah. Do you know how long we've been talking for? No. Two, how long? Two hours and 15 minutes. Oh my gosh. I was kind of curious. I was like, doesn't feel like it, right? Has it been? No, it has. It, I, I was thinking, I definitely knew we had surpassed an hour. <laughs> that was a while ago, yeah. <laughs> Well, that's okay. I always tell people when I when I ask like, do you want to come on? They go, sure. I go, is like two to three to two to four hours? Is that okay? Yeah. And most people are like, I can't. So many people are like, I don't know. I can't talk that long. I was like, you probably can. You definitely can. And when I'm there, you will be able to because yeah. I will make it happen. Keep it. Yeah. I'll keep it. Erica is probably wondering Freaking where out. the hell well, I we am. Can, yeah, we can end. Wait, I'm just gonna see what if he's texted me. He probably hasn't because he's the sweetest ever. But he knows. He's like. She's doing her thing. Nope, he hasn't. Um, do you want to tell the world where they can find your artwork? Like oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> um, well, my I'm not going to say my website because my, web, my website is under construction. Everyone's I- <laughs> website is under construction. Like every like, artist ever, a thing pops up like, sorry, we're under construction. I think Oops, there is an, on, at this least. This page no longer exists. Oops. A I love year. that one. I think there is a year of like. I'm behind a year. It's a metaphor for every art. artist. They're just but, always under construction. Link, I mean, link tree? No, no. Link drink? I don't have a link tree. Okay. My, so my Instagram is beware of the Claire. C-L-A-R-E. No I. Beware of the Claire. Yes. Underscore art. That's a mouthful. It is a long one. But I was actually going to say because you were like with the tagline – um, beware art is something I write a lot because I think it's funny. Mm. And I think really people are scared of art a little bit. Is that one taken already on Instagram, the handle beware art? No, but maybe I'll change it. Beware art, beware art. Beware art. I always but say be, be precise, exact, and, and, and um, small. With beware of the Claire was my first Instagram name. That's a good one. And I just like rhyme. never changed it. Beware. Of the Claire, because I thought it was hilarious as an eighth grader. Um, (laughs) And then I just added underscore art because I did. Beware of the Claire. Yeah. So beware of the Claire underscore art for Instagram. (laughs) And what about anything else? Nowhere else? TikToks, Twitters? No, I don't have any of those. Nothing? You're not doing... I don't have a Facebook. You're not doing the... um, TikTok reveal thing? Oh my gosh, that you don't You don't like that? That's not you? People tell me to get a TikTok all the time. I'm like, do you know how hard it is for me? Between you. Yeah, let's switch mics. Between you. I can't. You've been, do, you've been doing this a lot. Where what? you like go off the side. Oh, like, do you I? realize the mic only works here. I like, know. I'm sorry. Hello. <laughs> or the, uh, what is it? The Twitch with the uh, SMS, SMAR, RMSA. What is it called? The Oh my gosh, yeah, that freaks me out. Too much. Like, so I have all the social medias because I like post the clips yeah. and stuff on it all, but like it's under post and go, so I get out. But when I do find myself like for a couple minutes looking through TikTok, yeah. the chaos of it, 
and you'll scroll past some girl with like a purple background, mm. like p- purple lights and like neon, like lava lamps, and she's just like, yeah, horrible. It scares me. And I'm like, people really enjoy that though. <sighs> we don't have to get into my thoughts as to why I think they really enjoy it. Why? You know why? Sex. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, it's so obvious. So let's get a really good looking twenty two year old girl who has her cleavage out. And she's yes, oh yeah, and caressing and going. <laughs> like, it is like I'm like yeah okay it's pretty obvious. Next, like come on, come on. it doesn't take me a out. genius to figure that one. I out. don't like it. So when people are like I really like ASMR. I was like I think you like having sex. The sounds of intimate sex in your ear while you're not doing it. Yes. Because that's kind of <laughs> what I'm thinking of. And I think that's what we're all thinking of. <laughs> right? Yes. Oh, yes. Like, yes. Right? Yes. Come on. Yeah. And the thing is, that's fine. Do your thing. Do your own thing. Right. We'll just call a spade a spade though. Yeah. Like I don't care. I'm yeah. not saying don't do it. Do whatever you want. But that's what it is. Yeah. <laughs> don't disguise it. <laughs> Let your freak flag fly. <laughs> <laughs> Let it fly. <laughs> Why do I feel like as long as we got like some water, coffee, and another bathroom break, we could just like we could go for a we cou- couple more hours. Oh, I could. I could probably. We'll have to do this again. So I know. Try. Yeah, I'm down. Maybe the next time we'll do it I in I work studio. in two hours, so I couldn't even do it. Uh, yeah, and I got to take my dog to the park before work. We'll get you out of here. She deserves it. Beware of Claire Art. Beware of the Claire. Beware of the art. Claire Art. If that's not there, it's because I've changed it to Beware Art. <laughs> that's all. <laughs> Your artwork is amazing. Thank you. I'm really grateful I've got to know you and meet you today. Me too. And you make just keep making it. I love it. I, I will. loved it when you first reached out. I was like, yeah, this is cool stuff. Um, I'd love to see some of it in real. Yeah, person. yeah. Cool. Come to the studio anytime. Yeah, and you anytime. Can please bring Sarah. I will too. Cause I'll bring Sarah. I'll bring a party. I'll bring like thirty-five people. Honestly, fine because it's in a big industrial. Let's do it. Building We're spot, having a party. So. Let's go. Yeah, that's what I did for my solo show last year. So let's do a solo. You need music for your show? I I know a guy. Want to do some kind of like weird noise music at a show at some I point? So you. let's especially do it. if you need the sound, a dope sound. I'm system. gonna yeah. We can. We've got we got things cooking. Cooking. DZX beware art. Beware of the DZ art. <laughs> beware of the DZ <laughs> records art. <laughs> <laughs> we'll work on it. It was workshopping. Beautiful. <laughs> thank you, Claire, for coming in. And thank you for your honesty, making your art, and pursuing that craft and being a good example of what an artist and a human being can be. Thank you. Thank you for doing this. Thing. You're welcome. Take care. Okay. Ciao. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>